Welcome to Money Making Conversations. It's the show that shares the secrets of success experienced firsthand by marketing and branding expert Rashawn McDonald. I will know. He's given me advice on many occasions, and in case you didn't notice, I'm not broke. You know he'll be interviewing celebrity CEOs, entrepreneurs, and industry decision makers. It's what he likes to do. Thank you, Stephen A. Smith. This is Rashawn McDonald. I am the host of MoneyMakingConversation.com. I recognize that we all have different definitions of success. For you, it may be the size of your paycheck. Mine is helping people wake up and inspiring them to accomplish their goals and live their very best life. Please leave with your gifts and don't let your age, friends, family, or coworkers stop you from planning or living your dream. I want you to stop tripping over small challenges and prepare to rise above the bigger obstacles that life will present to you. My MoneyMakingConversation.com guests this week are Super Bowl champion DeMarcus Ware discussing his new fitness app, Driven to Win. Chef Eduardo Jordan discussing his restaurants and new Chitlin's clothing line. Discussing financials with Andrea L. Collins and Curtis Simons is launching his new HBCU Go TV. Visit MoneyMakingConversation.com right now. I'm Rashawn. My next guest knows a lot about committed effort. He's a Super Bowl champion, NFL legend DeMarcus Ware. Wednesday, November, Wednesday, December 9th, this NFL legend announced the launch of Driven to Win. That's D2W. Driven to Win, a new fitness app that brings a professional sports workout training experience to anyone with an iPhone, okay? After perfecting his practice, DeMarcus now extended his pro-level workout techniques to somebody like me. I need help! <laughs> Driven to Win is a nonsense, high-performance daily grind that builds leaders. I love that part about it. It's motivational. And a lot of people forget that when you're training and you're grinding out there, trying to get in shape, it really is about building leadership. It's about commitment. It's about being on the daily grind. And that's what this... This app is all about. It's a five-star app. And that's important I say that. That means that nobody's complaining about it. When they download it, they get amazing results, and they believe in it, and they want to share their results. That's why they give it a rating, because it brings million-dollar pro-level fitness techniques right to the palm of your hand. Please welcome to Money Making Conversation, the creator of Driven to Win app, DeMarcus Ware. Hey, DeMarcus. <laughs> hey, man. Thanks for inviting me on. One thing that I really, really like what you said and that's like the model of this app is be the best you. Yes. You use other people's platforms and envision on where you need to be. Yes. But it's all about building the best you, man. But and thank you. Thank you for inviting me on the show. Well, when I heard the app was dropping and uh, I feel that, you know, we're we about to go into that uh, New Year's resolution time of the year. <laughs> when, when people, you know, right now you're coming out of that food surge. Okay, you're gonna get another mini surge with the Christmas holidays, but then the New Year's you 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 have that first quarter of the year where you can change your life and losing weight and getting in shape is a major part of that. And so, what what has driven you? Because look, you still look like you got it going on. And I, Rashawn McDonald, I got a lot of clothes on top of me. I cannot <laughs> do an interview like you, Demarcus. Okay, right? I look like an old man trying to work out. <laughs> Dude, I, I, I tell you what. Uh, when you hit rock bottom, especially like when I retired, I couldn't walk. Right. So I had to find some way to really motivate myself. And, you know, being a captain in the NFL for 12 years, I just thought that, all right, if you can lead guys to be champions, now you can change your locker room that where I played at to the weight room and lead people to have fitter lives, motivating right. them right. in a way to where now they feel good about themselves. And that's where Driven to Win all came about. And really wanting to give people like that true experience of not just content that you can have, but building the best you through 3D models, augmented reality, artificial intelligence, just to name a few things that's in there. Um, but it's just a cool thing to see. Well, you know, driven to win. When you use the word win, you know, win means a lot of things. Winning in life, winning in health, 
winning yes. relationships. So define what driven to win really means for you. Um, driven to win is a motto of not giving up, mm -hmm. not giving up on yourself, not giving up on your goals. But the thing is, incrementally, like you just said earlier in the show, you got to have those incremental things in your life that you set that goal and mm -hmm. then you got to chew on it a little bit. Right. And if you do that, then you start feeling like, hey, I got one goal done. I got another goal done. And so now you start getting closer to those goals. So that's what driven to win means to me. Driven to win in life, driven to win in whatever that you're doing, whatever that is that you're doing, you be you and have your identity and you own that. OK, we've uh, we, you know, this is a very competitive field. The fitness field, fitness apps, fit, fit phones, fit watches, fit, fit the thighs, <laughs> yes, you know, everything. everything, you know. And so, so when you, when you, when you come about, how does this work? You know, we download it, we go through the process, you download an app or are there any videos on there, motivational videos on you on there? How does it work? Yeah. The thing is, I wanted to be different. Right. Um, all of the fitness apps, they have videos, but what can I do to be different? I've right. always said, if you can bring change to something, everybody will come. Or if you build it, they'll come. Right. So, um, you know, me, with me really having that technology-driven background, not just from um, from college, but, I mean, just a life thing that I did, mm -hmm. um, I added a 3D model. So mm. wow. when people actually log into the app, you do a test in, meaning you ask a, you're asked a couple questions, and then it puts you in the right program for you from beginner all the way up to advanced. And then it takes it to another level. So let's say I don't know how to do any other exercises. Right, so right. instead of looking at a video, you can look at 3D, a 3D model where you can actually move all the way around the model and see how to do the exercises, what sets and reps and, um, and tempos of the whole program. And then, all right, well, let's just say now I actually can use an augmented reality figure and I can stick it wow. here in the gym and it'll tell me. And I mean, you're looking at it right where you are mm -hmm. and it's saying this right here is how you need to do the exercise. This is the tempos, your sets and reps. But I took it to a whole nother level because some people, once they get to that point, they're like, well, I don't know if I'm training too hard. Right. So I started using artificial intelligence um, through the Apple platform to where you talk into the phone, mesh with the Apple watch. And it'll tell you that, hey, you need to be in zone three. Let's say zone two. And then all of a sudden you're working out and you're actually in zone three, it'll tell you you need to slow down. It'll give you the rest that you need. And then it'll pull everything back a little bit. So it's almost like you got a true trainer in your pocket. Wow. So when you go anywhere, if you're at home or if you're at the gym, you really have the true total experience, not just a video mm -hmm. that's telling you what to do, but actually a machine learning along the way. If you're a beginner all the way to an advanced athlete, um, of how to work out. Yeah, because, you know, you have the, the Peloton out there, you have the mirror out there, and now you have an app called Driven to Win that applies. And we, we was going to kick those two to the curb as just examples. We talked about, <laughs> you know, so you have to, the example, because that's high price over there. Okay, those are, those are, that's a lot of money you're spending in investing, and you can't carry a bike with you. Okay. You can't carry a mirror with you. Listen to what I'm saying now. But you can right. carry this app on your iPhone with you in the walking in the park, going to a gym, going down right. to your basement, going down into your 
gym that you you've created or getting it out of your right. bed and for the first time in your life touching that bike that's been sitting over now as a clothes hanger. <laughs> you know, all the, that's what I loved about the app because the thing about it, it can travel with you. That's what a fitness app should be, and it's not restricting you. If you want to, if you're traveling and you're in a hotel, you can take it down to the hotel gym. You know, am I, I'm selling it right, Demarcus? Am I? I mean, I mean, the thing is, you, you're saying the right thing. It's something for everybody. You just touched on. All right, let's say that I do have a Peloton bike or I, I have some cardio equipment at home. I don't know what to do. Guess what? There's programs in there that talk, that tells you what you need to be doing mm-hmm. and what algorithm you need to be doing. And then you can talk into it and it's learning along the way with you. So or if I'm at the house and I'm like, you know what? I don't have any workout equipment. Right. What type of body weight exercises I need to be doing? Mm-hmm. So now you actually can prop me. Or um, Angela Daniel, the other figure that's in there, because I got something for the ladies, too, mm-hmm. because everybody is in this fitness realm. Everybody wants to feel good about themselves. So you can put those figures on the floor. I mean, you can put them on your bed. You can put them wherever you want to put right, them right, in, right, right. because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I want you to feel comfortable where you are. A lot mm-hmm. of people aren't comfortable when they go into a gym or are comfortable even at home. Mm-hmm. So now you actually can learn a little bit. Get the information that you need. Let's just say that you're like, all right, well, what should I be feeling? There's actually focus points on there so you can click on the figure. Let's say if it's a stomach and you're doing some type of core, it tells you to brace your core, what you need to be doing, what you should be feeling at the time. So now people are like, oh, now I actually know what that exercise feels like. So I put so much information inside of this app that's going to be beneficial for so many people. Well, you know, we all have that mirror in the house, you know, where you can just turn <laughs> just right to Marcus and then give you that look. And you look good. And oh, you, you look, look good. Come on, Marcus, you know that mirror. You know that look, man. I got a pose, brother. You can't tell me nothing to Marcus. I can't. Come on now. <laughs> I can't. Come on. I, I got my arm right. I got my stomach right. Well, I lost my butt. My wife told me my butt left when I left college. So I ain't got that no more. I can't make that pose work. But I can yeah. work everything else. So we're going from the pose to reality. And that's what this app is going to do. But I, because, I, I, you know, when we met, we met this celebrity family feud and Steve Harvey. We did, we, and, did, we did. And he, he used to always laugh at me because he'd be over there lifting 50-pound curls. And I'm doing 20. I'm a 20 guy, you know. I'm over there. He said, we should stop, 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 stop. I say, brother, do what works for you. The 20s right. work for me. The 50s right. work for you. You know, and Stephen A. Smith, who I'm managing now, he loves Peloton. You know, every, every time I call him in the morning, he huffing. <sighs> I said, brother, I'm just walking on my treadmill. I walk a mile. That's me. Ten minutes in a mile. And that's what I love about the app. Do you. It allows you to do you. It's that is, am I hitting home with, it, with Driven to Win? You, you, you know, the thing is, when, you, when you're talking about doing you, right, Let's mm-hmm. just say that you test in and it, it takes you through the phases on how you need to train. If you instability, hypertrophy, strength, power, or in the endurance phases, those are like all the phases right. of fitness. It'll <laughs> put you in the right phase of where you need to be. Mm-hmm. Now, or you said, you know, I only got 30 minutes to work out. There's targeted exercises mm-hmm. in there, um, programs that you can do core, you can do buys and tries. If you want to do glutes and abs, if you want to do that, right? Or if you said, you know what? I just want to take a challenge today. Right. I got a way in that phone the way you can prop that phone up mm-hmm. and for where you are in your workout plan, it's going to be maybe a 60 second finisher. I right. would say you can do if it's jumping jacks, if right. it's pull ups, whatever it is. And you tap on that and you actually get to challenge me. So I'll be on the left side. You'll be on the right side. 
and then it messes you up and see where you stand. So it, it is something in there, even like when I talked about earlier mm-hmm. about um, athletes in high school, I didn't have any workout programs. The only thing I knew about is going to the YMCA. Mm-hmm. I didn't know anything about sports. I'm mm-hmm. talking about college players too. And then this guy named Bo Jackson came to the YMCA and he told me, he said, Demarcus, you know, if you really want to get out of here, I know a way that you can get out of the, get out of the hood. And I'm thinking to myself, like, what, what are you talking about? He said, <laughs> in Auburn, at Auburn University in college, he said, they give you a meal plan. Mm-hmm. He said, because you're on scholarship. And I said, so how do you get a scholarship? He said, well, you, you need to start working out. You need to make sure that, you know, you're doing the right thing, staying out of trouble. I mean, I had a mentor right there telling me exactly mm-hmm. what I needed. Right. So then I started thinking to myself, how can I give something like this back? you know, to the kids, mm-hmm. you know, now I'm back in their position. And that's why I went and got the Vaughn Millers, the Chris Harris's, the Leighton Vanderish's, the Tyron Smith's of the world, created avatars and 3D models of them. Right. But I also did, I interviewed those guys during COVID. Like, how did y'all prepare, you know, mm-hmm. for, for, you know, this year? Mm-hmm. What type of things would you tell the kids and people who are watching this? Um, how did you become you? Right. And every single one of them, I'm talking about a quote from each one of them. They said, man, I just didn't stop. Mm -hmm. There was nothing that stopped me from my dream and where I wanted to go. Everybody told me I was too little. Everybody told me that what I couldn't do. Mm -hmm. But one thing I knew I had to do is do the work. And that's where the motto of driven to win also comes from is doing the work that only you can do because you are your own individual. God made us that way. So um, being able to give something like just this section, right. um, just to high schoolers, college you know, players, is it, just a great thing, too, as well. You're listening to Money Making Conversations with Rashawn McDonald. We'll be right back. Cars today are like a computer on wheels, but you can't fix any of these new features yourself. So when something breaks, it could cost you a fortune. And now is not the time for expensive repairs. That's why you need CarShield. CarShield has affordable protection plans that can save you thousands for a cover repair, including computers, GPS, electronics, and more. CarShield understands payment flexibility is a must. Plans are customizable and as low as $99 a month. No long-term contract or commitment. Plus, you get to pick your favorite mechanic or dealership to do the work, and CarShield takes care of the rest. They also offer complimentary 24-7 roadside assistance and a rental car while yours is being fixed. CarShield is America's number one auto protection company. For as low as $99 a month, you can protect yourself from surprises and save thousands. Call 1-800-CAR-6000 and mention code MONEY, M-O-N-E-Y, or visit CarShield.com and use code MONEY, M-O-N-E-Y. To save 10%, that's carshield.com, code money. A deductible may apply. Welcome back to Money Making Conversations. I'm your host, Rashawn McDonald. Well, first of all, you're fantastic, Demarcus. Your articulation, your your passion, your tone. I, I, when I met you, Fam Few said I loved you. I told you, I mean, you could be a star. Dude. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. Remember I told you that? I remember. I <laughs> you know, so I said, dude, you star, man, and and it's still, it's still, it's still, it still show, shows it now, you know. But there's a couple of things that you mentioned that excited me about workouts because as you get older, you know, the word workout can be. Um, be daunting. It can be frightening because you don't know what that means. Yes. Then you say, Rishon, I got the 30 minutes. And, and that is what has really helped me now. I set myself, when I go in the gym, I'm out in 30 minutes. Whatever happens, that's it. That's it. And a lot of people don't 
have time limits. They just go and hear the word workout and it freezes them up. They say, I don't have time. But what you just said is, Rashawn, you have programs on your app. That's the Driven to Win app that you can download on your iPhone. Right. It right. enables you, hey, you got 60 seconds, you got 15 minutes, you got 30 minutes. We got programs down there. You don't have weights. You don't have to go to the gym. We can show you exercise that can that you need to work on, that you can depend on and build that out and gain confidence. That's what I love what I'm hearing. It's allowed me to feel like a human being and I'm not trying to compete with superstar athlete. I'm not trying to compete against superstar regular person or superstar right. sprinter. Right. I'm competing with myself and having fun at it. And that's really yeah. what that's the, really what I keep hearing over and over when I hear you talk about the Driven to Win app is that it's designed for you. For you. Yeah, and, and the thing is one thing you just said when people hear workout, mm-hmm. I want you to split them two words up. Mm-hmm. They hear work and I'm out of there. Right. Right. <laughs> they don't want any of that. Right. Right. <laughs> right? right, right. I've been doing that all day. Mm-hmm. You should think about workout being working on yourself, building the best you getting. That's your oasis time for you to refill your cup. I don't care if it's a minute. I don't care if it's 30 minutes, 45 minutes, two hours, whatever the time that you need. Right. Because there are so many things that are going on outside of your workspace that you need to work on yourself. And so that's why, you know, I built a lot of this because I had to work on myself to build something like this to give back to so many other people. Well, you're doing uh, it. You're doing it. Go ahead. You're doing it. You're doing it. I love it. But before we wrap up, you mentioned Von Miller. That's another extension. I know there's male names, male athletes, but also I know you're building out a female division with female athletes you're going to bring on board. Talk about how they play a role in your app, Driven to Win. Um, I wanted to I wanted to make everything the same if it was male or female. Right. So uh, Angela Daniel, you know, female mentor that's in there. She if you once you click on her, right. every single thing that I filmed, she filmed, too, as well. Mm-hmm. So everything is approachable. Mm-hmm. If you don't if you look at me and you're like, man, I can't do anything that Demarcus is doing. Guess what? <laughs> click on her. She's doing the exact same thing. She's going to have the same um, motto, mm-hmm. um, and you can actually follow her. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing I wanted to do is make it as approachable as possible. Cause when people look at me, well, they will say that's a professional athlete. Mm-hmm. He's been doing it all his life. Great. I should be the best mentor for you telling you how you need to live the driven spirit, but also show you the modifications of the easiest way to do things all the way to the advanced way of doing things. Because I've experienced it all, but also she's experienced it all mm-hmm. as well. And you will be able to see that. Well, he's a, he's a legend. All, all NFL's all decade team, Super Bowl champion, you know, um, Dallas Cowboy, they, they, they need him and about four, five more legends to come back <laughs> <laughs> right now. But more importantly, we're here to talk about Driven to Win. It's an amazing new Apple iPhone that's available. Uh, I, I, this guy's a star. He's a, he's always, uh, whether I've seen him on, uh, you know, specials or just talking about life, about motivation, talking about his family. He's always straight out of Alabama. He's an Alabama boy, you know, that's Southern right. boy. Uh, Troy, you know, uh, you know, that's the funny thing about it. You know, when you, when you like people, you learn up about them. And he's a person that, you know, here's the thing about it, but what I love about him, he has an app now and he's so futuristic. 
he's going to be on the cutting edge where eventually he's going to appear in your home, in your kitchen, working out with you. Because I know where he's going with this. I see it already. Technology is going to allow people like him to come in and tell you to get up out of bed, and then they're going to start doing workouts with you. Let's go. This is just the, this is the early stages of that. But importantly, you can download it. It has a monthly subscription tied to it. But do your research. It's a five-star app, y'all. That's important to hear. No complaints. People are loving it. It just dropped. Be the first. Start planning your, your New Year's resolution now. You know, driven to win. Make it part of your motto. Make it part of your your your, your ability oh, to yeah. win in life. You know, get your, your, your relationships right. Get your eating right. All those things I, I always plan on. I would tell this to Marcus, you know, in that fourth quarter, I'd start working on my taxes. I start working on my, my budget for the first quarter. And also, I start working on myself. And so that's why I'm inspired to have you on the show to talk about your new fitness app. Anything you want to wrap up about? I, I think one of the things that you just said, the fourth quarter, the fourth quarter is when all the magic happens mm -hmm. that prepares you for the first quarter. Right. So in this December, going into, you know, that first quarter, mm -hmm. you know, you had Thanksgiving, right? <laughs> you had to get all, I already I had to get all the Christmas gifts for the family. I had to get 17 families of Christmas gifts, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So for me, it's like the fourth quarter is when I prepare for the first quarter and not be behind saying that. New year, new me, January 1st. Why can't you start now? Right. Because if you start now, you'll be a little bit more prepared to where you need to be because you set the goal early. And that's one thing that I tell people because I own a gym here called Three Volt Fitness. Mm -hmm. When they come in, I ask them, what are your goals? Right. What is your mentality? Right. If you come in here, if you put your fitness plans in my hands, mm -hmm. I want to make sure that you get the results. But one thing I don't want you to do is give up on me. Right. I want you to do it for your standard, not my standard. I want you to just not stop what you're doing and the results will come tremendously no matter what. Cool. DeMarcus, I want to thank you for taking the time to come on Money Making Conversations. Uh, amazing. You can download his app on iPhone. It's called Driven to Win uh, D D2W. Well, I can't get that out. Yep. D2W. D2W. <laughs> again, it's great seeing you again, man. You look amazing. And uh, again, uh, you're a testament to who the person I feel that you will always be. And that's right, thank you, man. Thank okay. you. You're pro bowl in life, pro bowl on the field. Guess what? Got a pro bowl winning app, y'all. Driven to win. This hype time, baby. Hype time. Let me stop because you, yeah. you know I'm about to shape. I'm about to fall out on my own show. <laughs> All right, DeMarcus. Thank you, my friend. Bye-bye. All right, boy. Take care. All right. If you want to hear more money-making conversation interviews, please go to my YouTube channel or my podcast, moneymakingconversation.com. I'm Rashawn McDonald. I'm your host. My next guest is Eduardo Jordan. He was born and raised in St. Petersburg, Florida, and attended college at the University of Florida. I know he's happy right now because, you know, <laughs> that football team, you know, make it in the college football playoffs. After graduating with dual degrees in business administration and sports management, Jordan decided to enroll in culinary school at the Lacordon Blue in Orlando, Florida, and his life shifted from business to food. Chef Jordan is a 2017 James Beard Award finalist and received the prestigious 2018 James Beard Award for Best Chef Northwest and Best New Restaurant for June Baby Restaurant. Currently, his Permento Cheese is in Whole Foods, Met Market, Ken Market, and more to come. Please welcome to Money Making Conversation. I'm calling a good friend because I've shared a meal at June Babies. I know how good it is. Eduardo Jordan. <laughs> All right. Yes, thanks for having me. Well, you know, it was funny, man. I was, uh, you know, my wife, our anniversary is in December. 
last year and uh, and so yeah. we were just trying to figure out a place to go and uh and she, and I said, well, you know what? Yeah, I, I, she had read reviews on your restaurant, you know, and uh, and your restaurant is really reason I love your restaurant because it's in the northwest part of the country, but it has a <laughs> southern menu, okay? That cornbread, that biscuits, and all that. So tell us about bringing a southern menu to the northwest part of the country. And I want to tell everybody, the place had a line out the door. So I felt fortunate <laughs> to get in when I got in. And this was in the month of December of last year. So talk yeah. to about that menu coming Northwest like that, Eduardo. Well, you know, I'm a classically trained chef. I um, always dreamed of opening my own restaurant. Mm -hmm. uh, and I now have three restaurants, but my first restaurant was all about my culinary journey. It was right. about um, expressing my whole journey as a professional chef. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, as I built my platform and, and had a microphone to start speaking, I realized that I needed to do more and share my story as an African-American chef. Mm -hmm. um, and I opened up the doors to June, baby. And yes, we're about, you know, 2,500 miles away from the <laughs> South. But uh, I'm here. I'm here in Seattle and I wanted to express myself, my ancestors, my mom, my grandmother, all the foods that made me who I am. And so um, that was the birth of June, baby, pretty much. Now, uh, I know I mentioned something, a couple of things on the menu. Can you break down some of the southern items that are on that menu from your standpoint and why you decided to, you know, I would say take a risk. But then that food, that culinary experience or experience, a food experience wasn't up there. So I yeah. have to say it was a risk. But you, you but you but you did you did your sampling and you did it. Talk about adding different things and why you did. Why I did it. Yeah. I mean, there, there's so much to it. You know, when. When I opened up June Baby, Southern food was a cool thing again. And all the cool restaurants that were Southern were ran by white male chefs. Mm -hmm. And what I knew I needed to do is open up a restaurant that represented my perspective as a black man, mm -hmm. as a black chef, mm -hmm. um, from my perspective, from my lens. And so the foods that I ate as a youth is the ones that I wanted to have on the menu and right. done from a chef perspective still mm -hmm. like elevated grandma went to culinary school kind of feel right um, so you'll see things on my menu like neck bones we're talking about pork neck bones you know with rice Had it. Um, you're gonna see chitlins <laughs> on my menu you're gonna see hogmaw <laughs> on my menu and we got some of the southern classic staples like pimento cheese yes. and we got like boiled peanuts and fried okra that Sunday fried chicken, things of that nature are there, but I'm also opening people's eyes to like, you know, other ingredients that made up the South before the South became commercialized um, by these franchise restaurants. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. Like Benacees and, you know, the birth of various collard greens, not just one particular collard greens. You got like blue, blue vein collard greens. You got your Georgia collard greens, you know, you got you know, soft skin collard greens, you got your mustard greens, you got your turnip greens. So I'm bringing that all to light in this restaurant. And what I tell people is that, like, I pretty much put on horse blinders and didn't let anyone distract me. And I actually made the food that I wanted to cook, the food that like my, I grew up on, the food that like I knew was my heart and my soul. And, and more importantly, good food, though. Good now, food. Now, Amen. Now, like, like I told everybody, when I went up there last December, uh, the restaurant was packed. Uh, the service was outstanding. 
Uh, no one now say that because he knows. I just went in as a customer. You know, I didn't want to. I don't like going into an experience where you know people put extra shine on you because they know who you are and things like that. And right the service, the food was outstanding. You know, and uh, and uh, he also they also know I pay for my food. I don't go in there <laughs> looking for hey, a hookup or a discount because you're a small business. And with that being said, with COVID nineteen hitting small business, black <laughs> or white. The restaurant right. business has been confusing as to how to operate under COVID-19. Talk about what's yeah. going on with your business right now. Yeah, I mean, this has been an up and down year, a blessing and a curse to a certain degree. Um, you know, sadly, we did have to close the restaurant down and pivot into the takeout program. Mm -hmm. um, my, I got three restaurants, like I said earlier. One of them is a small little grain bar, which was kind of like a, a overflow to June Baby right next door, mm -hmm. serve, serve cocktails and little bites and everything. We had to close that down. It was a small location, so we can't even fit anyone in there technically under mm -hmm. the restrictions. So um, all the restaurants um, pivoted into takeout. Um, my first restaurant, Solari, we did um, a community kitchen for the first seven to eight months, feeding uh, families with food insecurities, um, restaurant workers, and those uh, who are displaced out of jobs for free. Mm -hmm. um, we served over 26,000 meals for free, and we're still doing um, small takes on that um, along with doing takeout. Um, you know, it, it sucks because like I lost a lot of staff. I had to lay off a lot of people to actually keep the business alive. Right. Um, mm -hmm. You know, those are the adjustments and the, and the pivots that we had to make. Um, but we're surviving. We're, we're doing OK just because we had to change our business plan to a certain degree. Um, I say that, too, because like there has been so many blessings this year in mm -hmm. disguise, um, you know, from from me being able to create my clothing line, my Chitlin clothing line. Mm -hmm. to getting pimento cheese into grocery stores to opening up, up other outlets to bring in revenue to one sustain me personally mm -hmm. as a business person mm -hmm. um, and then two to sustain the business so that I do have the opportunity to grow when this pandemic pandemic is over rather right. than um, you know shrink you know I'm right. I'm still having a growth um, process in my head when I'm thinking about what's next for me and not trying to like you know cuddle up and, and, and sit back like I'm I'm thinking you know I, I, I want to be able to succeed after this year well you know the thing about it that I love about talking to a small business person who had to pivot is that you've, you've learned some things about your business model some things totally. that you would not have made these adjustments so what are the adjustments that you will maintain once we get to a sense of normalcy once the vaccines out there and people will be re-trafficking your restaurants that are in white neighborhoods by the way i want to let you know his, his, his restaurants aren't buried he's african-american they're not buried in a black neighborhood they're in white neighborhoods which we'll talk about in a minute but let's talk yeah. about the the changes that you had to make and why right on um, you know, there were a few changes that I had to make and things that I will keep in the long run. The restaurant industry, we, we survive on very thin, razor thin margins. And right. so um, our biggest cost to date is always our labor. So, you know, one thing I had to look at is either lowering the labor in the long run or increasing the revenue. Mm -hmm. um, and so means to, to be able to um, balance that out. Like we didn't we weren't a takeout restaurant before, but we're going to have to implement takeout into our normal business plan in mm -hmm. general moving forward mm -hmm. um, so that we can at least if we're going to keep the same staff that we have the revenue to maintain that staff right. and also build a better profit in the long run so right. there's th those those are some of the auxiliary things that we are incorporating into our business plan also like the retail aspect 
um, adding in more catering um, projects. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's all about, you know, bringing in more revenue at this stage. Now we're trying to maintain that same uh, business costs. Um, You know, other than that, like, yeah, we're analyzing like what our costs were before and like how we can um, shrink those costs down. Like how can we run a restaurant less full service, but still offer the same type of service? Is that better training, better education for our staff so they can be more efficient? Are we bringing in more technology into our restaurant now so that we can make um, ordering and, and reordering and, and service a little bit more streamlined? Those are all the things that we're thinking about and implementing right now into the restaurant to, to make it sustainable. Right. You know, it's really interesting because, you know, a lot of small businesses, you see that that take out of that to go principle in the chains, you know, because they understand they, they understand that model. When you're a small business, sometimes you don't want to like, you know, you want to fight to hold that 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 flavor, that taste, that authenticity of the experience. And sometimes you're afraid to like, you know, will my chicken taste good at their house and I could potentially lose them as a customer or if they were a customer, they may not come back. Is that right. is that some of the stuff that played into your mind prior to making these changes before COVID forced you? Yeah, you totally hit it. You know, as small business owners, we are super stubborn. A lot of times we're so stubborn because like we came in with a certain mindset and direction and we did not know how to pivot. We have been forced <laughs> yes, yes. to pivot and get creative again. Mm-hmm. And that allows us to open the doors to new opportunities and understand that like our way may not have been the only way. It may have been the best way at that point in time, but our new pivot, our new direction is gonna probably be the best direction now. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, like we, I was super stubborn before. There are certain things that I didn't wanna do because like I'm chef, I mm-hmm. didn't wanna compromise anything. I didn't wanna see my fried chicken go out cold. Right. You know, it needed to be piping hot. It needed to be extremely crispy. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> so all of that went into play. And then when I had to put chicken into a box, uh-huh. your takeout is a whole different mindset. <laughs> like, wow, like this can happen. We can Right, do this right right <laughs> now you're not it, it really is it's really because you know you don't want there's nothing negative but you didn't get in the business to be kentucky fried chicken you didn't get Correct. in the business to be popeyes and that mentality plays into i don't want to be that but unfortunately the times call for you to think like that we'll be right back with more from Rashawn mcdonald and money-making conversations don't touch that dial this report is brought to you by humana if you're a veteran on medicare there are medicare advantage plans that complement the coverage you get through the va Ed Sandrick is director of Humana's Veterans Channel. How does a Medicare Advantage plan work with VA benefits? A Medicare Advantage plan can complement uh, the health care services and benefits that a veteran gets at the, through the VA. The Medicare Advantage plans that Humana offers, particularly the Humana Honor Medicare Advantage plan, which was designed with veterans in mind who use the VA, works side by side. As I said, it, it kind of complements the VA health care. An individual can go to the VA for the services that he or she wants or needs at the VA and is eligible for, and also can use the uh, Medicare Advantage Network uh, as well, side by side. They don't uh, interrupt one another. Um, There are some myths and misconceptions among the veteran community that they may jeopardize their VA health care should they use original Medicare or Medicare Advantage. That's just not the case. For more information, visit Humana.com slash Medicare. Hi, I am Rashawn McDonald, host of MoneyMakingConversation.com. The Cafe Mocha Swag Award is a celebration of black men making a difference in our community by empowering others to reach their life goals. They can be civic leaders, people in business, activists, celebrities, and everyday dads. The Cafe Mocha Swag Award honoree this week is Jermaine Dupree. 
His age of 17 did not limit his dreams. Now a multi-Grammy award-winning producer, Jermaine Dupri, with over 400 million records sold a day, is a member of the Songwriters Hall of Fame and is one of the most successful producers in the music industry today. I had to go through so much as a younger person to get older people to even have a conversation with me. So therefore, I listen to younger people because they have amazing ideas. But the execution of them ideas, when you're young, you don't know how to do it. I had TLC and Crisscross at the same time, but I was too young to know what to do with both of them at the same time. The Cafe Mocha Swag Award represents men who have strength, whose wisdom is assertive, and who is genuine in their spirit. Welcome back to Money Making Conversations. I'm your host, Rashawn McDonald. To think about right mass marketing, thinking about if your restaurant's packed and you can still do 25% additional income from people doing to-go yeah. or curbside pickup, you go, wow, I didn't have to pay anybody extra for this? I didn't to, to do that, correct. Do the math at the end of the year, and I guarantee you, you'll start changing your mind. Right, right. And that's what you've done. <laughs> that I need to start thinking outside the box. And that's that's the beautiful thing about it. And so, But then, then again, it's all about who you are. You're a successful African-American chef. You know, in the business, I, I always talk about uh, HBCUs. There's so many so many people graduate from HBCUs. And I would tell people white college to get credit for it because people don't know the amount of education that comes out of HBCUs. Because of the Food Network and Cooking Channel, you're starting to see more through competitions. You're starting to see more black bakers, more black chefs. But there still is a hidden secret about who you guys are. Yeah. Talk about that experience of being a successful uh, owner, not only a chef, but an entrepreneur and an owner uh, in Seattle and the rest of the country. Because I've had Samuelson. I've, my show has become like a, a sounding board for uh, for high profile chefs and starter <laughs> chefs. And I like that. I really do love that. And so, But talk about your experience being a, a young man coming from the South, going north and being being nominated and also winning James Beards, which is the which is the Oscar of the restaurant business. Talk about that. Yeah. Um, I tell you what, I mean, I, I, everyone's like, you're so young. I'm like, I don't feel young anymore because <laughs> I've been through the hoops. I've ran through the mm -hmm. fire. I stepped on the stones and cut my feet and bruised my knees and, you know, rusty old ashy elbows because like they've been working. I've been right. working hard, you mm -hmm. know, and I think people come into this restaurant industry thinking that it's easy. It's a novelty. It's like, this is like what I want to do as a side gig. Um, this is a career. And mm -hmm. I, when I set myself to go into the restaurant world, I made it my career and was career minded. But mm -hmm. prior to getting into the restaurant industry, I went to the University of Florida. I got a degree in business. I understood that like it, it's, it's hard work, it's dedication, it's understanding the, the numbers. Um, it's more than just like cooking behind a stove. It's PR and marketing. Um, there's there's relationships that you have to build. There's networking There's a friendly face that you have to, to have also that will open up these doors. You know, mm -hmm. a lot of chefs came in this mentality, came, came with this mentality. I'm cooking behind the stove. That's all I do. I'm making good food. Don't talk to me. Right. Uh, and I come I come with a smiling face and ready to conversate and ready to share my story. Mm -hmm. And more than anything, like there is a story behind what I do. There's heart and soul. There's not me just cooking carefree food. Um, and so, like, there's a whole business, like, built into that whole, 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 like, bubble that I've just created that, like, it's easily um, supported because people believe in it. They see it. They understand it. They see a minority, a young black chef, like, in this industry, like, hustling his butt off. Mm -hmm. So it's a combination of all of that. You know, it's a little right. bit of de dedication, passion, love, mm -hmm. um, grit. Like all of that is like and we can go through and define all of that. But like all of that is packaged into like what I do. Well, 
two things I want to bring up. The Chitling clothing line, which I knew yeah. nothing about. Okay, was that was it out when I came up there to visit your restaurant? It, it was it was right in the beginning stages. We were um, we were looking for um, some tailors, some some um, designers. So we were we were I was scrambling hard. Like uh, <laughs> I always got multiple things going right, on. Right, so like, right, right. You know, because I knew nothing about that. Tell us about that line. Was it t-shirts, caps? What is it? What is it? Yeah. So um, I should have wore one today, Absolutely. but um, I, I have a line of um, crew neck shirts or sweatshirts, uh-huh. um, some hoodies, and I'll be bringing on some other items, but. Um, Chitlins have been a, a very intimate part of my whole story from from day one as a youth to me opening up June Baby, where I ate chitlins all my life. Like it was part of like my my food. It's what my grandma um, cooked for us on you know these special days. Is what we hey, had. Eduardo, don't act like Sunday you by suppers. yourself. I've been eating them too now. I my dad used to bring the hog to the house. Okay, nice. And we, and we cut it up. So we we got it bringing those intestines into the bathtub. Cleaning and, them up. Oh my god! Water through. Come on now. The, you you like that, that, that whole process. Like <laughs> I mean, this is a whole longer story. I don't even know how much time we have. But like, if you think about the techniques and 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 ingenuity that went into like making chitlins into something edible yes like it, it blows your mind first of all for those who like don't know what chitlins are they pig intestines mm-hmm. you know these are offals the things that the the white man got rid of and said the slaves need to eat mm-hmm. you you can have that to feed your family mm-hmm. and so that story is like a lineage of like who i am and when i talked about chitlins as a kid i got ridiculed that i ate chitlins so right. i kind of turned my back onto talking about my food and so, you know, some 30 years later, when I decided to open up my own Southern restaurant, I decided to put chitlins on the menu and be proud and loud about chitlins because that is part of my heritage. Mm-hmm. So chitlins been on my menu since day one of opening June, baby. Mm-hmm. And I realized like there's a bigger story that need to be told. And so I proudly start putting chitlins on a shirt. Right, right, And then right. people said, I want that shirt. Right. <laughs> I want that shirt. And so I literally went through a whole trademarking process, got right. a trademark. Right. And now I have a um, chitlins line of clothing. Um, and we're, we're, we're proudly talking about chitlins because it's more than just the food now. It's the story. It's the history. It's the, 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 the perseverance. It's the, the ingenuity. It's, it's all of that that people... Our people, many people eat chitlins, you know, across this world in, in some fashion. But, mm-hmm. you know, just talking about my history and my folks, it's just like what they had to do to make chitlins into something right. out of nothing right. to feed the family, to right. feed the country, right. growing cotton and rice and, and, and shucking okra and, and selling it and getting nothing out of it. Like, you know, this is this is like just paying homage and, and, and paying respect and showing love and. It's more than the food now. So it's a story. It's a, it's a great story. And now, are you a white rice and hot sauce chitlins eater? Or how are you? I, I, I am. My, that is a straight classic for me. I, I heard like everything else, like potatoes and oh, things. No. Like I'm straight rice, hot sauce. I, put some pepper on there. I tell you, yes, I, 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 love, sauce. I, I, I love chitlins. And so, and like I said, I grew up, you know, grew up in the hood, man. My dad would go. Uh, he was a truck driver. He'd go in the country. Cause we live in Houston, Texas, living in yeah. the hood. He go and get a, get a get a hog, and they bring that hog home. We made hog head cheese. You know, had the, all the ham, all that stuff. We made the pig feet. We ate the pig feet, pig yeah. ears. We uh, we of course we did the chitlins. So that hog, I don't think that hog left that house. I, I think he came <laughs> in. 
Eduardo, and uh, and left. But you knew when we got to the to the Chitlin part, everybody in the neighborhood knew what the they knew I was going. <laughs> everybody knew because you have to really and, and also when you talk about that, you really do have to clean it out. You have to clean yeah. that because you know so this, this, it can get you. You can get sick if yeah. you read if you as they say you uh, eat Chitlins that have been cleaned properly. And stuff like Perfect. that, and bar properly, and things like that. So it really is a science to all of this, and that's why I wanted to make sure. And I'm kind of mad at you because now I got to go online and get when I could have been up there and took a photo with you. When we took yeah. a photo together, could have held a Chitlin T-shirt up, a uh, 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 shirt up, a hoodie on. But I, I'm definitely going to order one online because that's exciting to me because I'm a big fan, and I tell my staff I eat Chitlin. They go, Ugh. yeah, exactly. Some, that, 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 that's what me. I got as a kid. It don't phase me, brother. Don't even. Me, you know? and I forgot crackers. Now, now it doesn't phase me. Now it doesn't phase me. I, I think, like as a kid, and not like even teaching my little boy now. It's just mm -hmm. like, don't be afraid of your history and your story yes. because, yeah. like, as a kid, I didn't know how to defend myself at that right, moment. Right, right, right. And, and now we we give our we give some fire, we give some weapons now to be able to professionally um, defend ourselves now right. uh, in our history. Now, let's talk about the pimento cheese, which I did sample at your restaurant, which was fantastic. Yeah. Like I said, I'm just tell you, when, I, when we sat down, we ate. We went through the <laughs> we, we went through the menu, just enjoying everything. I don't think I don't think chitlins. I wasn't seasonal. I don't think they were on the menu at the time. But the, but other than that, we tried everything and enjoyed everything. And 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 the whole experience was the service. But now the pimento cheese. Tell us how they got started. How it became a signature dish. And how did you yeah. get it into Whole Foods and Met Market and Ken Market? Totally. Um, wow. That the secondary part was a whole process to get into the re retail stores, but mm -hmm. um. But pimento cheese for me was just like, you know, it was that iconic Southern spread. Yes. You know, you, you got like your, your hoghead cheese spreads that you can have sometimes and mm -hmm. you got your pimento cheese. Mm -hmm. um, and pimento cheese is like everyone knows pimento cheese. Everyone had it. Everyone goes to that corner store, or even a grocery store in the South. And there's like five different pimento cheese yes. you can pick from. Mm -hmm. um, and I've had a ton of pimento cheese in my lifetime, mm -hmm. but nothing really impressed me. Right. And so my <laughs> mission was like, if I'm going to put pimento cheese on the menu, it's going to be the best pimento cheese out there. And um, when I developed the recipe, I knew it was a winner. And, um, you know, we've had it on the menu again from day one, like chitlins, and people requested it. They like asked, can I get tubs of it? Can I, when are you going to get this into the grocery stores? And mm -hmm. when COVID hit us and the pandemic kind of slowed right. us down. Mm -hmm. um, I was already in talks with Whole Foods um, by doing like, we were going to do this special uh, event with the pimento cheese. And so they pretty much held my hand through the whole process of mm -hmm. getting it into um, Whole Foods. And we're, we're locally here in Washington and right. Oregon State right now. Mm -hmm. And we're working hard to find a co-packer that we can get into California and then go nationwide. So um, soon, soon to be, soon to be in get, your neighborhood. Get back down south, to uh, Texas and Atlanta, the Georgia, and all yes, that South Carolina where, where it belongs. Hey, where it so belongs. when I say that, when I say that secondary process is so hard, it's so hard to like jump to that retail, mm -hmm. um, retail aspect, the consumer goods. There's so many loops and, and hoops that you got to go through. Um, but we're we're working hard to get it nationwide within the next year. I'm talking to uh, Chef Jordan in 2017, James Beard award-winning finalist, and re received the prestigious 2018 James Beard Award for Best Chef Northwest and Best New Restaurant for June Baby Restaurant. That's where I dined with my lovely wife and had a great time. And I, I, I love to be able to say that, you know, to be able to say I, I went up to Seattle, Washington, and, you know, spent a weekend out there and dined at your restaurant. That's one of my favorite travel stories and, 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 and building your brand 
brand out, you know, and I, we talk about the pimento cheese, we talk about the chitlin line, we talk about pivoting and, and doing things that you were stubborn about doing from an entrepreneurial standpoint. You say, hey, this is how I want my brand to be be uh, served. And now you realize, OK, it still will be served that way. But we're now with options and uh, and options allow you to be. So I like the fact I like about the pimento cheese. And I like about the T-shirt. I call that mailbox money. You know, people can go online, <laughs> buy your T-shirt, you get a check in the mail. You know, yes, sir. that's the beauty of what you're trying to do with your brand. And that's why you're growing. That's why I can't wait till it, you know, you expand and come down in the south with that pimento cheese because that's yes, amazing mailbox money. But mailbox. Uh, oh, law, man, uh, you know, we we know what uh, what uh, as a black business owner and uh, the PPP checks were supposed to be distributed out there to the small business owner. How did that affect your business during the COVID-19? Were you able to participate in PPP or what? Yeah, I mean, it was a scramble at the beginning. We we missed the first round, and I say I say that lightly because we did everything proper and appropriate to get that loan. And so, like, we were we we're literally pulling our head our hair out, um, right. saying like, "What are we gonna do?" Luckily, they had a second round. We got approved. We didn't get approved from as much as I I, I thought we were gonna get approved mm-hmm. for. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a kind of a turning point for me. I I realized that. As a business owner, a small business owner, as a minority business owner, I could not depend on anyone else saving my businesses. And I needed to do whatever I needed to do to be creative enough to keep my businesses alive. And that's when like the pivoting started happening hard for me and making the proper adjustments to to be a business person. Um, And I didn't depend on the government to bail me out. Um, and, And some people need that. Like that's. It's, it's the curse of 2020, but like, I didn't want to be part of that curse. I wanted to like, actually capitalize on this opportunity to, to be a really good businessman. And right. we've done well mm-hmm. despite this pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've, I've had many opportunities. I've actually, I now became 100% owner of all my businesses. Congratulations. In 2020, mm-hmm. you know, like I'm going to go back years from now and say like, during a pandemic, I was able to become 100% owner of my businesses. Like, that's mind-blowing for me. Right. Mm-hmm. But yes, we've had some hurdles. We had some hiccups. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, this year has been a blessing and a curse, but it, it has taught me a lot. I have grown a lot. Mm-hmm. seen a lot. Well, cool. Well, I, I did something during the pandemic. I bought me a building in Atlanta. Big old yes. office building, a one-acre property, standalone. And in it, it has a full kitchen. That's why I love this building. It's a full kitchen, the oven, it's everything, you know. And so I've been inviting favorite uh, chefs like you over the over over the past few months saying, hey, I'd love to do a Zoom Zoom. You cook something, I cook something. If you have time, there's no pressure. Yeah. You know, I, I love to, I'd love to cook some chitlins in my office. And all just right. run all my staff out. <laughs> you're gonna run them. You're gonna run them out the office. <laughs> and why though? I'm gonna run them out. The fire alarm going off I, and everything. I, I don't care. I don't, I don't care. I'm gonna run them out my office. You could be in Seattle, Washington. You could come. Look at they they waving me off. Not the chitlins. Not the chitlins. But I love to do anything the, else. I, I love for us to do something via yeah, Zoom. Yeah, no, that's you awesome. Know, and you, and you congratulations to you. Yeah, yeah, because that's where I'm at. I'm having fun with my life. Man, I'm having fun to be able to speak to people. I would call a friend. I call your friend uh, because of your businessman, your entrepreneur. You're understanding that they are some setbacks, but they don't beat you. They don't let them win. 
And totally. like, again, like you said, you've taken control of your voice, your business, your brand. And I had to do the same thing. You know, it's like, you know, I, I, I to buying this building and, uh, and allowed me to finally stamp my resume of what I can do and what when people are confident, what I can accomplish when people come to my space and they walk in the door, they go, wow. Okay, so the resume, they see the image, they see the image awards, they see these posters, autographed famous people I've managed over the years or been associated with this year. And that's all you're doing with your brand. And so so I, I want to thank you for coming back on the show. I know we missed uh, last week, but Eduardo, man, you're one of my favorite, man. I, I love you, man. I, I, I Like I said, I support you. I, I need to get a link for the Chitlin T-shirts. Yes, now, you, go they, to, you go to JuneBabySeattle.com cool, and we'll then go that. to our shop area. Now, can they, are, now are the uh, pimento cheese, is that being shipped? Or can only be bought we, we're, we're working on getting that ship so like okay. in the meantime um you know give us about a month or so we, okay. we will we're starting to um get a process to get that shipped out um to nationwide well so. let our team know immediately and then we'll schedule a time and figure out something real, real easy to make just have fun talking and do it you make it your way whether it's cornbread i do my cornbread yeah, down in Houston, we do have it Atlanta. ready for you we'll, we'll do that and get it hooked up so thank you for coming on the show eduardo my pleasure brother <laughs> we talk soon okay that's my yes, man sir. eduardo he's june baby restaurants we have to watch he wants some chitlins he got it up there in the north wheat northwest part of the country because he's from the south again this is Rashad mcdonald i'm your host if you want to hear anything on money making conversations please go to moneymakingconversation.com or subscribe on my youtube channel thank you we'll be right back with more from Rashad mcdonald and money making conversations don't touch that dial. Cars today are like a computer on wheels, but you can't fix any of these new features yourself. So when something breaks, it could cost you a fortune. And now is not the time for expensive repairs. That's why you need CarShield. CarShield has affordable protection plans that can save you thousands for a cover repair, including computers, GPS, electronics, and more. CarShield understands payment flexibility is a must. Plans are customizable and as low as $99 a month. No long-term contracts or commitment. Plus, you get to pick your favorite mechanic or dealership to do the work and car shield takes care of the rest they also offer complimentary 24 7 roadside assistance and a rental car while yours is being fixed car shield is america's number one auto protection company for as low as 99 dollars a month you can protect yourself from surprises and save thousands call 1-800-CAR-6000 and mention code money m-o-n-e-y or visit carshield.com and use code money m-o-n-e-y to save 10 percent that's carshield.com code money a deductible may apply Welcome back to Money Making Conversations. I'm your host, Rashawn McDonald. My next guest is Andrea. Is it Andrea or Andrea? Andrea. Andrea L. Collins. Andrea has over 15 years of experience in the investment management industry. She began her career at Morgan Stanley Wealth Management, where she specialized in portfolio management for high net worth individual investors and foundation. She is the active in the community, an avid supporter of the arts, and frequently teaches financial literacy workshops for schools and organizations, and is a proud member of Delta Sigma Theta. I bow down. I bow down. I'm a proud member of Omega Sci-Fi. I bow down. (laughs) Please welcome to Money Making Conversations, Andrea L. Collins. (laughs) Thank you for having me. You know, you know, you know, know, because Kamala Kamala Harris and become the Mm -hmm. VP elect. You know, you know, AKA is getting all that love out there because of Kamala. They are. They are. You know, it's Greek love though. It's all love. (laughs) There you go. Anybody who (laughs) wants to recognize, you know, and and as they say, be black. That's what being. That's what being a fraternity member is. Is, is really uh, sowing the um, the roots of uh, of where you come from and uplifting it. Sure it. is. 
And so how important was it? You know, I know it's in your resume and I, I we tease a little bit. I know importance yeah. of what Omega Sci-Fi did for my career. I, I, I played while I was in college and I always tell people it altered my whole thought process as far as goal setting because I was just yeah. wandering around in college and was confused. And then I yeah. pledged and it gave me my first goal that I accomplished in life outside of graduating. How did it affect your life, Delta Sigma Theta? You know, it had a huge impact on my life. And um, even prior to me pledging in college, because I, you know, pledged at Berkeley Kappa Chapter. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I think back to even my childhood mm-hmm. growing up, the women that I watched in church, mm-hmm. you know, were members of uh, Delta Sigma Theta. You know, some of them were AKAs. And so just watching these women and how progressive they were, how mm-hmm. involved in their in they were in our community, mm-hmm. how uh, professional they were and, you know, the achievements that they were able to make and the strides that they constantly made, not only personally, but professionally. And then they had that outward exhibition of those successes. Right. And not only successes, but struggles and, you know, feats and obstacles that they encountered mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. I think just the main impact that it had on me growing up, because right. it wasn't like I came from a family, you know what I mean? Or a legacy right. uh, within my family uh, that were uh, part of sororities and fraternities. But like I said, the woman that I was able to uh, watch growing up, whether it was in church or mentors, or organizations mm-hmm. that I was involved in mm-hmm. and did a lot of volunteer work, that example was sort of set before I got to college. And then when I got on the campus, of course, you know, it was just like mm-hmm. loud and clear because at that point you're <laughs> able to be a part of it. And you know what I mean? And you, you meet like minded mm-hmm. people, men right. and women Absolutely. or young adults that mm-hmm. have the same goals in mind that basically are cut from the same cloth when it comes to like values, their goals, you know, who they are to their core and Mm -hmm. what their intentions and desires are, you know, for their families and the community at large. So Mm -hmm. yeah, very impactful. Uh, Love my sorority sisters to death, you know. (laughs) You know, because I I, I graduated from University of Houston, which is a predominantly black, white campus, you know, 35,000. And it's really funny because, you know, if you go you went to a school like me where there's a dominant white attendees. Exactly. And so, exactly. you know, you had that little core blacks, you know, mm-hmm. they look like mm-hmm. a lot of them till you really say, you know, I think it was like uh, maybe 2,500 black students it, on campus right, at the time, right, but it felt right. like it was 10,000 of us. It How was did. that experience for you? <laughs> you know, to be honest with you, uh, while we were there and the Alphas had, they had a campaign, a represent campaign mm-hmm. that still stands out in my mind, even though it was so many years ago. And I still have the T-shirt to prove it. But we would walk around <laughs> proudly because, and because, I mean, our statistic then was less than 2.3% of the mm-hmm. population. Mm-hmm. And like you're saying, it felt like so many of us because mm-hmm. we're just a dynamic force right. when we congregate right. and come together. Mm-hmm. It can be two, five, you know, where two or more are gathered. It's mm-hmm. really that philosophy, mm-hmm. and I think, in our community. And we're so dynamic and strong and, you know, impactful when we do come together collectively, that sometimes the force feels way greater than what we actually are representing in numbers. And I Mm -hmm. think that like, that's the beauty, you know, of our community and what it's comprised of the ability that we have to have so much of an impact, you know what I mean? And 
create this dynamic force, even mm-hmm. with so many, so few of us, you know, Absolutely. representing in this p- particular space. Yeah, I know you relate to that with that whole idea yeah. of us, you know, yeah. we seem like it was so many of us. And then you realize when you looked at the number, there's not many of us at all. There's we're not such a dynamic that many. Yeah, you know, really when good. I look back at the pictures, like it, it, it felt like there were so many, like you said, so <laughs> many of us. But nevertheless, the impact was just as great. There you go. We were able to carry out go. the mission. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to be honest with you, Kappa Chapter is the 10th chapter mm-hmm. out of uh, our sorority to be founded. Mm-hmm. In 1921, when I think about it, Black mm-hmm. women were on the campus of UC Berkeley. It, wow. Not just going to school, but formulating the chapter and mm-hmm. in sororities in the early 1900s at an institution like that. So there's a lot of pride in, in heritage that come along with it. Awesome. Well, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic. I, I say, yeah. you know, we thought it was all going to be short term. And and then we talk about a high unemployment rate. We talk about we need a new yeah. stimulus check. And then uh, Black Friday comes around and uh, it's nine billion dollars in the online mm-hmm. sales uh, yeah. with Black Friday. There was 52 percent right. drop in in-store traffic. We all knew why that was going to happen because pandemic and mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. start offering sales prior to the Black Friday date. And then, right. but the most significant thing of that was the was that 3.6 billion of that was tied to the smartphone. And so mm-hmm. when I when I look at everybody's talking about. You know, we we have a down economy. The stock market crossed over thirty thousand. All these right. numbers. Where's this money coming from, Miss Collins? Well, you know, to be honest with you, <laughs> I think that <laughs> it's a huge disparity. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And even in the information that we're given, because mm-hmm. to be honest with you, in March, if we look at the statistic, when we first entered into the pandemic. African-Americans or Blacks only uh, participated or owned at least about 1.6% of the corporate stocks in mutual funds mm-hmm. that were held on the market, while whites held 91% or 92% mm-hmm. of that value, mm-hmm. which means that as a Black community, we weren't able to capitalize on that some 45% semi gain of the S&P since March. You know, so that is a huge, I think, component for us to pay attention to, Mm -hmm. even when it comes to ownership, wealth, the wealth gap that is also pervasive, you know, and that over Mm -hmm. time, even with income and education, inequality decreasing, the wealth gap is perpetually rising amongst whites and blacks. And that's just really sad because of the fact that so basically you're saying, Rashad, look, there are people out there, the people who got money didn't really. Yes. They always got to keep money or they have exactly. money. And that's why you see the, the basically uh, a rise in Black Friday and then Cyber Monday. They're expecting to yeah. do 10 billion to 12 billion dollars right. in online sales. We know that Cyber Monday is online, at least yes. on Black Friday. Which that was today, inst- by the way. <laughs> right. Right. You know, and so and so which is really important for people to understand that. Well, I look at African-Americans, the technology game, you know, that's why I mentioned the fact that 3.6 billion of that was smartphones. Mm -hmm. Uh, Have we yet as a community started to understand the value of what that smartphone really is besides taking pictures and texting and talking on it? Right. I think that as a community, we are we have the understanding of what the benefits and what we're how we, we could capitalize on that market. But it's not all it's not about having the wealth or the knowledge mm-hmm. that I mean, we always have that. We throw around the quote, knowledge is power. Right. But mm-hmm. I really believe knowledge is power, but it's not empowerment. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? You can read all the books and read all the articles, but if you're not empowered to be able to take on or or to be able to take the opportunity 
within what's going on in a cycle, mm -hmm. then it really is not going to have any sort of long-term sustainable, durable effect within our community. It's not going to be widespread. Right. So we may understand on the surface what the impact of this technology mm -hmm. sector is having on our lives and our society right now, but are we able to participate and partake in the benefits of that opportunity right now? And for me, or my understanding of that, it's, it's, it's deeper than what's on the surface. You know, it's right. rooted in so many different uh, disparities, you know, that are systemic, mm -hmm. that Blacks long-term or for really our existence within this country have not been able to partake in or at an equitable level. That prevents us from being able to capitalize on certain opportunities in certain mar market cycles. Well, you know, they, they, I always I always bring that up because, you know, whenever I do an interview, you know, people are always talking about budgets. You know, we, we enter in the fourth quarter. We are in the fourth quarter, about to close out this year. Yeah. Any advice, you know, would, you know, I doubt very serious if they pass a new stimulus package. And if they don't pass a new stimulus package, you know, you have what you have. We have the CDC saying you can delay the payment of the rent. Well, guess what? Mm -hmm. That delayed payment is due in January. Exactly. You know, the holiday tax that Donald Trump was was trumpeting, you know, that bill is going to be due by April 2021. So you have mm -hmm. all these delays. But right. how can we overcome that? Or how we don't just wind up filing bankruptcy, which is an unheard of word used mm -hmm. in the black community. How do we get over that financial hump without help? Well, I, you know, to be honest with you, I really think that help is something that is a dire need within our community, mm -hmm. you know, not just in our community, in our society, period. And right. we know that any sort of problem does not become a national crisis until right. everyone is affected. <laughs> you know, these same struggles, the struggles that our nation is experiencing right now, Blacks have been experiencing this you know, for decades. Right. So now that it's become a national problem, of course, there's national help and national attention. And to some degree, we will be the benefactors of that. But it just it, it to me, it just reiterates the importance of always having a plan and being mindful of what your strategy is and, right. and positioning yourself to be able to take, uh, you know, advantage of opportunities because every market moves in cycles. The, the housing market moves in cycles. Education moves in cycles. Cycles. The stock market moves in cycles and what goes up all eventually comes down. You know, that we, no one has a crystal ball of when that's going to happen. Mm -hmm. But for instance, when the markets were at all time lows in March, how many of us were able to were prepared to be able to actually take advantage of those opportunities, mm -hmm. you know, to be able to buy things at such a low or discounted rate so, so that it sets you up to have more of a sustainable future things that resources that, that you're able to tap into in circumstances like this. So yes, I, I definitely think that um, we're at a point now where so many people do need aid and assistance mm -hmm. that there, there really is no way around that. Absolutely. And uh, I'm talking to Andrea Collins. She has over 15 years of experience in the investment management industry. She began her career in Morgan Stanley Wealth Management. Um, you know, stock, that's I've, I've been dabbling in stock, you know, I, uh -huh. when I first started, you know, they say, you know, buy the stock that you shop at. You know, if, I, if you uh -huh. go to Home Depot a lot, buy your stock at Home Depot. You go, right. you know, if you if you buy Apple computer, buy your stock in Apple or Dale, you buy your stock in Dale. It, are there some common sense um, uh, rules that once you do when it comes to being a novice or entering into stock game because of just playing on your experience because of the fact that that's what you do? Right. 
Right. I would say for anyone that's just starting out or a novice investor, the main thing that you need to Uh make sure that you pay attention to or incorporate into any sort of investment plan. And many of us have heard this word before is diversification. There is no there. There's no foolproof method to investing. Of course, the riskier your investments are, Mm -hmm. the more you put yourself at um, you you put yourself in an opportunity for high gains, but Mm -hmm. also very, very low lows. And so having diversification or um, a mixed basket basket of assets basically hedges you against those risks and really prevents you from losing everything that you've invested in one fell swoop. So when I say diversification, I mean, types of assets that you own, you know, so whether it's real estate, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, CDs, or money markets, or any other sorts of cash equivalents, Mm -hmm. which right now with interest rates being at an all time low, you know, high yield investor checking accounts or CDs, money markets are really not paying that much. (laughs) Nothing. (laughs) You're being really polite, Andrea. Nothing. Nothing. (laughs) And that's why the black community or the community of color used to stash their money in some type of savings account. Exactly. So there are, you know, there are alter- cash equivalents or alternatives in mm-hmm. an environment like mm-hmm. this, you know, so uh, utilize tapping into your resources. Of course, there's a boatload of information that's on the in- Internet that's readily at our fingertips, but you don't know what you don't know. You know, so mm-hmm. the knowledge out there is endless. But like I said, if you don't know what you don't know, you don't even know what questions to ask. You don't know where to begin. But that's the importance of professionals like myself in our space. I feel like we have a duty to disseminate mm-hmm. that information amongst our communities to make sure that our, our community is knowledgeable and abreast of what their options are and mm-hmm. what resources are available. So, yeah, diversification is the main thing, making sure you're not heavily uh, allocated in one area over the other so that when you do experience the ups or downs in either sector or asset class, it's able to sort of balance out. You're listening to Money Making Conversations with Rashawn McDonald. We'll be right back. Cars today are like a computer on wheels, but you can't fix any of these new features yourself. So when something breaks, it could cost you a fortune. And now is not the time for expensive repairs. That's why you need CarShield. CarShield has affordable protection plans that can save you thousands for a cover repair, including computers, GPS, electronics, and more. CarShield understands payment flexibility is a must. Plans are customizable and as low as $99 a month. No long-term contract contracts or commitment. Plus you get to pick your favorite mechanic or dealership to do the work and CarShield takes care of the rest. They also offer complimentary 24-7 roadside assistance and a rental car while yours is being fixed. CarShield is America's number one auto protection company. For as low as $99 a month, you can protect yourself from surprises and save thousands. Call 1-800-CAR-6000 and mention code MONEY, M-O-N-E-Y or visit carshield.com and use code MONEY, M-O-N-E-Y to save 10%. That's carshield.com, code money. A deductible may apply. Welcome back to Money Making Conversations. I'm your host, Rashawn McDonald. We kind of talked about this a little bit earlier, how the, you know, like, you know, you hear all these dire statements about the economy this year. You know, first we were locked down for two months and then there was complaints that the $600 CARE Act check was really paying people more than what they had made in their daily income. 
which is absolutely uh-huh. true. I want to add to that. That is true. My daughter, you know, she made like $1,500 of subway and she could have applied for the $600 CARES Week and walked over with $10,200. That was the total right. amount of payment. Right. So I agree that that system was broken, but it was it was processed in a, in a rushed moment and America needed it because we shut down in a rush right. time and a dire time. But what always wonders to me, and you kind of said it earlier about, you know, we were setting records. I mean, I think month of July, you know, the stock market set a record. It, mm-hmm. How could that be when you have millions of people being unemployed and then you have people filing for unemployment and then the stock market is just dancing up and down like it's everything's cool? Right. Well, I think, you know, we have to really realize that um, a huge part of what's portrayed even in the median wealth within mm-hmm. our country, our economy and mean wealth, meaning the average mm-hmm. wealth you know, of the black investor or black American is about 142,000, whereas the mean wealth of the average white American is Mm -hmm. 983,000. So that huge disparity shows the opportunity and who has the opportunity to partake in those type of uh, events or cycles. The money is there. There, while there is a, I mean, and we even saw this, how split the the country is during this past election, election mm-hmm. cycle 80 million you know, 73 there million. there's mm-hmm. a huge part of our country that is suffering and then mm-hmm. there's a huge part of our com- country that has been had the ability or the 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 capability to work from home without mm-hmm. a disruption in mm-hmm. income mm-hmm. you know work from home and they still have access to the internet mm-hmm. work from home and they're still able to contribute to their 401ks fidelity mm-hmm. put out a report recently that that so many of their 401k plans or investors that they actually are the administrator for have not, not only crossed the million dollar mark for the first time in U.S. history, hundreds of thousands of 401k uh, investors or plan holders that Fidelity it serves as the administrator for, uh, they've actually crossed that million dollar mark. And you ask the question, like, how is that possible <laughs> in a country that's so divided where so many people are depending on government assistance, mm-hmm. you know, not only for their next meal, but for housing, for utilities. And but yet most people, even though they have the capability to tap into their 401k without a penalty this year, have not taken any loans or distributions or mm-hmm. those that have has been very substantially low mm-hmm. or not exceeded what they actually really, really need. Mm-hmm. So, again, to me, that just shows a huge dis- economic disparity mm-hmm. within our con- within our country and even amongst the middle class. Wow. Now, a term I always get confused about financial literacy when I uh-huh. hear that. What is financial literacy? And I know you're involved in financial literacy. Yeah. And how can a listener educate themselves on being financial, financially literate? Well, you know, I think that when it comes to financial literacy, and yes, you're right, I have taught many, many courses for organizations, mm-hmm. for, for elementary schools, um, even for high school students. And it never fails with each class. I have more than one student telling me, how come no one ever taught me this before? Or, how come I didn't know this? Or where, where can I find out more about this? And then you have the few in the class that they're like, oh yeah, I have a stock portfolio or <laughs> I know about this. And it, it really has nothing to do with 
with race. I'm not mm-hmm. going to say one or the over the other. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But some children are exposed. But for the most part, a lot of them are not exposed mm-hmm. to just the basics of financial literacy. Mm-hmm. How does a bank account operate? You know, how do you pay bills? How do you, what's a mortgage? How does lending work? How does credit work? And then you get into the more nuanced part of financial literacy, which comes to wealth management or investing in the stock market. And how, how does that part of the economy work? Um, and I think before you even move into that portion, just the bare basics of managing finance, the practical application right. of what, what it means to be responsible, to be a good steward over what your resources are, how much ever your resources are to actually be a good steward and manager of what you have. I think that's a huge thing that is lacking, um, not only in the educational system, but within, you know, our families and the transparency of that. You know, I've been fortunate in my life economically and been able to handle money correctly. But really, and I, I, I say this to myself personally, I remember I was uh, mentored by a gentleman and he was just telling me, Sean, just put $50 a month. And that's all about, I say about 24 years old at the time. Yeah. And so it really is true. If you if you start early in life, start very early, you can mm-hmm. put a get, put the put aside small amounts. Yeah. That would benefit you long term. If you're consistent with those small amount deposits, whether it's a hundred dollars a month or fifty dollars a month versus trying to catch up in your forties and fifties. Talk about right. that that algorithm of just, you know, of the dollar cost so, averaging. Compounding, mm-hmm. right. Of how of how um just a small contribution uh, once it compounds over time. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the part that many don't realize. Yes, there are, are people that have large inheritances mm-hmm. or they receive a trust fund. Mm-hmm. But for the average American, it really just boils down to time and work, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and discipline right. and consistency. Mm-hmm. And doing having that discipline and consistency over time, right? Like you said such a small amount, fifty dollars. If you were to start that for a child, or even you know how Cory Booker is proposed the baby bond, where every child born receives a thousand dollars at birth, and by the time they're eighteen, it should compound into about fifty thousand dollars or so. Mm-hmm. Which you know, at eighteen years old, if you have that access to that type of uh, capital, what can you do? You can go put a down payment on a home. Mm-hmm. You know, the path to home ownership we know is a huge component of generating generational wealth, mm-hmm. you know, which mm-hmm. so many in, in our community do not have access to. So just starting with such a small amount and allowing that amount to compound over time. I'm not saying being an investor or a, a guru when it comes to being the greatest, latest stock picker. It's, right. it's more so about the longevity and your time horizon and the ability to withstand certain market cycles. And eventually you will benefit from those gains. Of course, there will be ups and downs. Absolutely, you know, over that you time period. You, when it's down, you but can't the run. The longer time horizon you give yourself, you mm-hmm. you have the ability to 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 capitalize on those gains. Because we're talking about the cultivation of wealth. You know, exactly. that's the whole process. Because, like I said, you know, I look back at my life and I went, man, I shouldn't have pulled out then. I I can tell you, I owned a Intel stock at one time. Uh-huh. I owned a Home Depot stock. I owned Apple stock. I owned all that. You know, but I was I was one of those guys who danced. Dance, oh, that's yeah. that's moving fast, and I just didn't sit there. I I I remember uh, 
uh, you know, Berkshire stock was $1,200. I could have, mm -hmm. that was like 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. And I could have mm -hmm. gotten in, but I went, that's not too high. I'm about right. a $20 Kmart right. stock, you know? Right. And so really it's about knowledge and information. And that's when it gets into, you know, cultivating wealth with information and knowledge. That's what this exactly. is all about. Exactly. And then also I think, um, you, you shouldn't have the pressure to put, you shouldn't put that pressure on yourself. You know, there are professionals <laughs> that- I'm Andrea. I was, well, you know, so I'm, I'm one of those people, you know, don't trust nobody but myself, well, okay? Yeah. But you, but so you what you're saying is- That's but, cultural, right? Well, right, right. Because we have to, you know, we, we, we have a problem with the vaccine right now because it's cultural. Exactly. And so, so you're saying from, for Rashawn, stop burdening yourself create a relationship with an expert yes. and that's who you are. You are an expert. Talk about yourself. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, that is one thing I think, you know, there, there's, there's so many different paths to lessening this wealth gap, you know, mm -hmm. between black and white. And I hate to make it about black and white, but right. really mm -hmm. that's what it really is about, mm -hmm. you know, a huge part in this country. Um, but of course there's policy and then there's, there's reform that mm -hmm. can help close that gap. And there's also cultural things that we can do as a community. And one thing that we are not, we're not, we're not really transparent when it comes to finance. Right. You know, within our, within our families, you know, amongst our friends, even amongst professionals, there's, there's always some wall or some barrier or something that you don't want to fully disclose, but oftentimes it stifles us, you know, right. because mm -hmm. we don't share the information, you know, we're not transparent about what we know and what we don't know. And it, it can be a hindrance or serves as an obstacle to really, really achieving because we, we're, we're not transparent about what our needs are or what we have or what we like to achieve, you right. know, so mm -hmm. Yeah, and the, the trust factor is huge within our, our community. So there are cultural barriers to the wealth disparity as well. So with that being said, you know, trust factor, knowledge, financial literacy, what really is stunting our ability to achieve wealth in the black community? What really, if you had to put your finger on it, what is really stopping us? You know, I, I, I it's such a dynamic and wicked problem, so to speak, quote unquote, because if you look at it systemically, you know, over time, there have been obstacles or barriers that have been put in place for us to not be able to partake in certain uh, societal gains that basically enhance the black middle class. Like if you look in the beginning from the 1800s, when Freedman savings and loans collapsed, mm -hmm. then mm -hmm. that is what started our mistrust in the banking system mm -hmm. when that collapsed. Mm -hmm. And then in the late 1800s, insurance companies had like explicit discrimination when it came to policy. So any blacks that own an insurance policy, our policies were only worth one third of what a mm -hmm. white policy, white person's or white Americans policy was worth. Mm -hmm. And of course, in the 1900s, we know Black Wall Street, mm -hmm. you know, in Tulsa mm -hmm. and the destruction of that. And then in the 30s, there's redlining. And then you go into the disparities or dis with Social Security and how black domestic workers and farm workers weren't able to qualify for Social Security. And then you get into uh, World, War World War II when black veterans could not like explicitly take part in the GI Bill. So like there's been systemic things over time or over hundreds of years that have perpetuated this divide, you mm -hmm. know, and then not to mention with all of that happening, home ownership, like I said in the beginning of the conversation is one of the major paths to wealth preservation, um, intergenerational wealth transfer across our entire nation. So I think maybe in the beginning of 2019, 
over 70% of white Americans owned a home while mm -hmm. less than 40% of black Americans owned their actual home. So home ownership um, in eradicating sort of those type of policies that have right. prevented us from being able to be on a consistent path to home ownership, I think is one of the hugest or most pervasive problems as far as intergenerational wealth transfer, not to mention income inequality and then the educational disparities. And then the um, pandemic uh, really damaged us even more because it caused roughly 46% of the black owned businesses to close and exactly. prevent them from reopening. So, which means that when you go to a bank, they're going to look at you like, yeah. hmm, when they had the PPP out there, we were the last to get or didn't get it at all. Exactly. So in the end, it's about race and overcoming race. And I always tell people, you overcome racism by creating relationships, by mm -hmm. going to a bank instead of just cashing your check, sit down with the loan officer. Build exactly. trust. Because people can people can give you some things and tell you, advise you how you can slowly grow into a loan building relationship. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying you're going to go in there and get your $100,000 off the top. Right, right, but you right, go in there and right. maybe get ten. Pay back that 10, then that becomes right. 20. And I think that people need to understand that growth happens over a, over a period of time. Of time, exactly. Mm -hmm. it, it takes time. It takes time to cultivate relationships. It takes time to show um, your ability uh, and, and your buy-in. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Your buy-in to the situation, your buy-in to progress. All of that takes time and, mm -hmm. and cultivation and intentional cultivation. Well, you know something, Andrea, I, I want to appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, you, I could actually talk to you for uh, another 30 minutes because I know, you, you know really, because, you know, you, you know, because, you know, as much success as I claim to have, I'm learning. And that's important. And also, I'm willing to reveal my mistakes. And I think that's, exactly. a, that's a gift that you have to be able to allow me to sit up here and comfortably lay my head on the couch with Sean. Where did you make the mistakes? Well, uh -huh. when I was 24, I should have listened to Paul when he told me to deliver $50 a month. Right, and, right, and then, right, and right. I and I, I think, you know. At 32, it, it, I kind of listened. Exactly. You know? <laughs> and, and so many of us have that history within our family. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Uh -huh. Like I'm in this industry, but a huge part of my success or, you know, progression is being transparent about what you were taught. And you know what mm -hmm. I mean? And, and what lessons you've learned along the way, the mistakes that you've made, mm -hmm. the things that have been passed down, mindsets when it comes to money and finance within my own family, right. you know, and addressing that type of um, those type of conflicts. So and then moving past it. Cool. Well, I want to thank you for coming on Money Making Conversations, Andrea L. Collins. What does the L stand for, L? LaShawn. LaShawn. Okay. That's uh -huh. like a Southern name right there. LaShawn right there. But no problem. <laughs> Berkeley grad, do your thing. Uh, please yeah. come back on Money Making Conversations. Okay. Thank you. Most definitely. We'll be right back with more. From Rashawn McDonald and Money Making Conversations. Don't touch that dial. This report is brought to you by Humana. If you're a veteran on Medicare, there are Medicare Advantage plans that complement the coverage you get through the VA. Ed Sandrick is director of Humana's Veterans Channel. How does a Medicare Advantage plan work with VA benefits? A Medicare Advantage plan can complement uh, the health care services and benefits that a veteran gets at the, through the VA. The Medicare Advantage plans that Humana offers, particularly the Humana Honor Medicare Advantage plan, which was designed with veterans in mind who use the VA, works side by side. As I said, it, it kind of complements the VA health care. An individual can go to the VA for the services that he or she wants or needs at the VA and is eligible for, and also can use the uh, Medicare Advantage Network uh, as well, side by side. They don't uh, interrupt one another. Um, there are some myths and misconceptions among the veteran community that it, they may jeopardize their VA health care should they use original Medicare or Medicare Advantage. That's just not the case. 
For more information, visit Humana.com slash Medicare. Hi, I am Rashawn McDonald, host of MoneyMakingConversation.com. The Cafe Mocha Swag Award is a celebration of black men making a difference in our community by empowering others to reach their life goals. They can be civic leaders, people in business, activists, celebrities, and everyday dads. The Cafe Mocha Swag Award honoree this week is John Hope Bryan. Where there's hope, there's John Hope Bryan. A mentor to many. Brian has dedicated himself to sharing his failures and successes in life and business as well to empower the next generation of entrepreneurs. And Operation Hope and Shopify have partnered to create one million new black-owned businesses. You need to be about building wealth. You can't build wealth without compounding. You can't compound without something other than you. In this case, employee, technology, infrastructure, systems. So I decided not just complain about it, but try to do something about it. So we partnered together with Shopify, the second largest e-commerce retailer in the world. World. The Cafe Mocha Swag Award represents men who have strength, whose wisdom is assertive, and who is genuine in their spirit. Welcome back to Money Making Conversations. I'm your host, Rashawn McDonald. Welcome to Money Making Conversation. I'm your host, Rashawn McDonald. I recognize that we all have different definitions of success. For some, it's a sizable paycheck. Mine is helping people wake up and inspiring them to accomplish their goals and live their very best life. These are my passions. and That's what I'm going to do for you. That's why I created Money Making Conversations. I want you to stop tripping over small challenges and prepare for the bigger, bigger obstacles that life is going to present to you. And a lot of people trip complain about things that are not even worth your time because that holds you back. But guess what? My next guest, been knowing him a long time in the business. We've crossed paths, DC, BET. His name is Curtis Simons. He launched HBCU Go TV, which is a live and streaming entertainment, educational, lifestyle, and sports network. HBCU Go TV is the voice of African-American youth and the HBCU community and currently airs on Roku and HBCUGo.tv. Please welcome to Money Making Conversation, Curtis Simons. Hello? I'm right here. You can hear me? What, what, I can hear you. Can you hear me, Sean? I can hear you now. I'll introduce you, man. You just sat down oh, with okay. Curtis. I didn't know, I didn't know huh. if I put a pop up on screen or if I'm going to see anything. I, 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 I see, I, I see you live. live. I see the picture I'm in the good. background. All that good stuff, Curtis. How you doing yeah. there, sir? Mr. HBCU, Mr. BET, Mr. Man, Producer. Let me just say this, man. I've had a great weekend. I got to tell you, Rashad, it's an honor to be on your show, man. I've heard a lot about the show. And I know you very well, man, and, and I'm looking forward to uh, diving into some conversations and see what we can come up with today. Well, you know, the thing about it is that we've talked previously. When we, we sat down and talked about the brand of HBCU and how I can come into, you know, sure. help grow this brand. And it, it excites me because HBCUs, I, I didn't go to an HBCU school. I, I graduated from University of Houston, right down the street from Texas Southern University in Third Ward, Texas. So I'm I ain't going to hold that against you. I, you know, that against I appreciate that. I appreciate it because my <laughs> passion and what I'm trying to do and what I want to use the skills that God gave me is what I'm bringing to the table. And that's marketing and branding. That's something I do very naturally. And when I look at a brand like HBCU, which for some reason in 2020 has exploded on the landscape. Why do you Great. feel that, you know, it's been struggling funding every year in Congress. Do we want to fund it? Then and then, you know, President Donald Trump is is taking claim for like resurrecting HBCUs. If it wasn't for him in 2019 in September, it wouldn't be an HBCU funding program happening right now. Why is HBCUs being so popularized in 2020? Well, I, I think that you know, with, with, with all the unrest we've had in in, in this current time, right. and looking at where there should be some 
growth and where there should be some responsibilities. I think it, it peels back to the HBCU circle. Mm-hmm. And I think when people really dive in and really look at what HBCU schools have done over the years in creating some of the great educational folks, political folks, entertainers, uh, sports athletes, the whole nine yards, mm-hmm. is now become a better appreciation across the board for what these schools have meant. And now, right. you know, more people are looking at it, you know, not one-sided that it had been looked at for a while. Because when you look at the, the great thing about the, the HBCUs in the 60s and 70s, that's only where African-Americans could go to. Mm-hmm. PWIs, which mean predominantly white institutions, got very smart and said, look, especially on the athletic side, mm-hmm. you know, we got to start incorporating more of the African-Americans into our schools. And because they could provide the visibility that African-American schools could not, a lot of athletes jumped aboard. But now what's happening is, you know, people are understanding, look, it ain't all about the money. It's more about the experience. Mm-hmm. And if we can start really, you know, pushing more of the experience at HBCUs and really show people who have come out of there who and who and has survived, you know, that I think is really going to be the icing on, on the cake. And I think now that it's become very apparent that these schools are playing a prominent role in education of African-American uh, kids, mm-hmm. you know, more and more people are now starting to pay attention to saying we've got to have more HBCU stuff and we've got to spend more time in driving the value and exposure of these schools. That's one of the things that I'm trying to do with HBCU Go TV. Now, you know, the vision, leading media, pro- illuminating the voice and experience of the 107, there's 104 that are accredited HBCUs, mm-hmm. and then the mission is to increase brand awareness and support the sustainability of HBCUs by making a meaningful financial contribution to the population of these American institutions of higher learning. There are two right. things, a vision and a mission. HB- HBCU Go TV. How did it start, though? Talk about your career. What gives you credibility? You just hopped on the machine. First well, of all, I know you went to HBCU. I, I think one of, the th- one of the things that helped me tremendously, Bashan, is I grew up on the campus of Central State University. My mother taught there for 40 years. My father worked there for 50 years in the maintenance department. So I had opportunity to be in the bloodline. And I ended (laughs) up, my mother graduated from Central State and I ended up graduating from Central State. Mm -hmm. And also my sister graduated from Central State. So I had the experience of, you know, coming and living and being part of that bloodline of HBCUs. Mm -hmm. But then when I got into the marketing side of the media business and I worked for a cable system for, for many years, and I worked for ESPN, and then I got into BET. Right. One of the biggest things I saw was the lack of exposure uh, for these universities because no one really was really trying to help. In my old days at BET, when I came on in 1988, we really were the anchors behind black college sports. Right. And we did that for almost 10 years. But then, you know, we were ahead of our time, and our guys didn't know really how to sell it. And coming out of ESPN, you know, and being a sports nut, I was really pushing black college sports like there was no no tomorrow because when I first came on board at BT we were, we were doing a week long tape, tape delay of mm-hmm. a game and I, and I finally mm-hmm. forced Bob to do live games right? you know and then finally we just got out there where the advertising world couldn't really understand black college sports and they didn't want to put any money in so it didn't enable us to continue with it but we knew there was a value there and that's mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. Other services started to, started to kind of dip mm-hmm. on it, and now ESPN has jumped in it. But what HBCU Go is going to do is that we're going to be a part of that. Because, you know, as I've told the HBCU schools, it's like, you know, why are you letting just one network control your visibility? When you mm-hmm. look at 
the Power Fives, and you look at you know uh, other conferences, they got two and three media partners. Absolutely, you know. So Absolutely. now, you know the the commissioners are getting smarter. They're looking at more ways in which they can drive exposure. Looking way more ways they can you know bring revenue to the universities to their presidents. And so the door is starting to crack. And now with uh, HBCUs starting to pick up some top name recruits, like Howard picked up Maker, the basketball player, the seven footer. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's other there's other players have gone different places that have been top recruits, and now the door is starting to slide open, and which is going to make you know these schools become very very attractive. Not only the HBCU go, but to other people because they want to see these young this young talent. And they're also going to get a chance to really expose themselves to some great talent at the end of the day. Let's talk about, let's stay in this sports lane because we talk about SEC, Conference, mm-hmm. Power Five. I'm a software SWAT guy. You know, Texas Southern, Prairie View, mm-hmm. Grambling, Southern, all that whole area over there. That's me. Then I find out that Bethune Cookman is coming to the SWAC. Yeah. Then exactly. I find out FAMU is coming to the SWAC. See, yeah. that's, that feels like the black SEC to me. And that's really what you're is. talking about. I, I, would, I, you know, I was just talking to Charles McCullen, who is the uh, commissioner of the SWAC, and I, I think you're right on point. I mean, I try to convince the conferences almost eight years ago. Right. Because I was really the one that brought black college sports to ESPN because mm-hmm. I was consulting with them at the time. And I was the one with, with behind the SWAC and the MEAC challenge that ended up in Florida. Mm-hmm. But one of the things I was trying to convince the HBCU schools early on was to make a power conference, mm-hmm. but they just couldn't get it. But now you're right. I, I think that SWAC is on to something, man. And then um, I think they're building something that's going to make it very, very attractive. And I think what's going to happen is SWAC is going to be the conference that everybody's going to look at, you know, as far as really doing sports with and see if they become one of the, the power you I'm know, teasing. within black college sports. And I'm, I think they will. I'm because they picked up, like you just said, Phil Cookman, fam, you, you know, and I think there's going to be others that's going to sprinkle over with powerhouse, even in the, in the, in the mid-level conference who are doing well, who are going to try to sneak in and really try to make it a strong conference before it's all over. We're talking about so I think, I think that, that's about, an opportunity there. We're talking about legacy football programs, athletic programs, band programs. You're talking about right. band, fam, mute. You know what I'm saying? We already know the SWAC has always had the Grambling Southern game that was been broadcast yes. for years on NBC. So they right. always had this, that's always been like the Notre Dame game on NBC yeah. for black sports. And so there's already media heritage, media, media lineage for the SWAC program. And I, the reason mm-hmm. I like it is because we have to start being smart and realize we have economic dollars. If you want to get the recruits, then you have to generate energy. If you're saying, man, the SWAC is the best place to come where you're going to be the best athletes, that's what's happening right now. Jackson State. Yeah. That's, I just saw what they did with, with Dion. Come on now. That's all I'm saying. That's SWAC. That's right. swag. And that's markability right there. I mean, you know, that, that's markability. So you, know, you two-time Super Bowl champ, coaching, you know, his NFL, son, his Hall son, of Famer. His you son, know, what else can you ask for there? His son, who was a four-star recruit, went, was just de- de- uh, decommitted from the Florida school, now going to Jackson State. And exactly. That, and he was exactly. an incredible athlete. And, and, I, and I think that's the trend you're going to see on, on that, Rashawn. I mean, I think that, you know, they're gonna be, there's going to be – Many more like that that are going to start, you know, drifting into. Because look, 
the bottom line is, man, these young folks <laughs> in, in football and basketball, they want to get to the next level. Right, right, that, right. That, that, that's the whole thing. And, and, and if we're able to begin to start showing them through HBCUs that you can get there. Right. I think that's going to be the doing. And I think now the way the direction is moving, you know, more and more kids are realizing, look, I, I you know, I asked a question to uh, Jalen Rose years ago. When, when the Fab Five, you know, uh, tape came out, when they did the Fab Five tape, and I said, Jalen, if you would have took the Fab Five to an HBCU, right? Do you think there'd have been difference than taking it to Michigan? Mm-hmm. And he said, Man, I, Curtis, I never thought about it like that. I said, Yeah, because all you want to do is get to the next level, and that right. was before one and does. Mm-hmm. That was before one and does. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. right. So now you take that same model and move that into an HBCU. Everybody would want to come televise them. Right. Everybody would follow them. Right. And they would right. and they would become the team in the HBCUs that everybody would have jumped on. Right. You know, no question. So with the 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 raise of awareness of Jackson State with, with a Dion, for example, right. only opens up more doors to HBCUs. And and that and that's where we gotta start taking advantage of it. The biggest thing that we've got to take advantage of, Sean, is that we've got to move these HBCU schools into thinking business and not just education. Right. That's one of the biggest things that I'm trying to work on with my HBCU go-chair. I'm trying to constantly bring them ideas of how to grow their enrollment through bringing in some businesses that will support them in order to grow their enrollment. Because that's not the way they think going in the door. Well, here's the, here's the and you're absolutely right. Uh, Notre Dame football is what drives their enrollment. Penn State, Alabama, University of Texas. These are USC. All these mm-hmm. are prominent programs that drive enrollment. And it's, it's really is interesting because the academic success of HBCUs is unquestionably an amazing story in yes. itself. That they're not even being recognized because what? Because the athletic program, which was the dominant voice in the '60s before integration happened, and you know that, Kurt. Exactly. You know exactly that the wave exactly. of black athletes and Hall of Fame. I think is over 32 uh, HBCU uh, yeah. players who are in the Professional Football Hall of Fame. No and question. So, and so, so now let's look at that now. That's why I think it's important that a Deion Sanders is at Jackson State because yes. again. He's gonna he can, he's gonna bring in athletes, which means that the fan base and the alumni base will get re energized, and that's what which we're talking needed. about. Which is needed. Which is which needed. Is needed. Which is needed. Because right now, let's talk about it. let's talk about HBCUs. They known for the band, and if they got a good football team, and then the academics is third. Now, I think what happens is, as black people, we always fight that moniker that we are more than just. Athletes, we're just more than physical objects. No question. No and question. So that's the fight that you we're talking about right now. Is that exactly we, we want to be able to recognize for our intellect and not because we can entertain and not because we can perform on an athletic platform. And so well, that's the general you're, that's you're the right on point. Yeah, that, that that's where you're right on point, John. It's like with my, my personal myself. Right. You know, I've been trying to show young men and young ladies, like listen. I came out of Central State with a physical education major, a right. PE mm-hmm. major. Right. Mm-hmm. I've been a marketing guy since I've been in the business, 30-some-plus years. And I said, I, I, I'm, I'm, 
going into the biggest Hall of Fame of the, of the media industry, <laughs> broadcasting and cable next year. Hold on, look, few blacks girl, girl. going into a Hall of Fame hey, with girl. a P major. Let me bring that up. Don't be just, just throwing out that information. That's valuable information. That's one of my questions. Let me set that up. You're just jumping out there, just casually throwing that out. Now, I can't stand interviewing people that know more information and just be putting it out ahead of time. We're still in HBCU. Now you had jumped into this legendary honor that you're getting in 2021. Well, since you had opened your mouth, Curtis, tell us about this honor that you're getting in 2021 that's one of the biggest the opportunities you can get in media. Talk about that. Well, I, 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 I thank you very much, Sean. You know, I, I appreciate that. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, it, it's you know, it's it's always an honor when you have your colleagues, you know, nominate mm -hmm. you as one of the best in the business. Right. Mm -hmm. And I really one of the things that has been my my real headache over my years is that I never really taken advantage of my network like I should have. I've had more people always say to me, "Hey, man." I don't think you realize how much you bring to the table and you undervalue yourself a lot. Mm -hmm. Well, this honor, Rashad, next year is one that I've been seeking for like the last 20 years because I felt that I gave a lot to the industry. And one of the things that I wrote, a, a part of a book I wrote a while, a couple of years back called um, uh, It's a Gamble and HBCUs on Show Bet. Within that, I talked a lot about during that time, Rashawn, one of the things that I think we all get, we all have an oversight of is not recognizing and dealing with our family the way it is. Because your right. family is all you have, man, at the end of the day. It's all right. you have, man. Right. I and my family went and fought with me thick and thin. You know, I put my family at times in, in some rough spots because I'm working night and day, traveling all the time, missing things, you know. And, you know, that's a big thing now to me. And so to be honored and see all the sacrifices my family went through in order for me to obtain an honor like this next year. It's big for me, man. It's very mm -hmm. big for me. And, and also to, you know, have many of my peers who have now called me and said, man, this is overdue, man. You, you, you should have got this thing a long time ago, man. You know, I, I'm, I'm just shocked that it's taken this long to get, and I, and, and I, and I give them, you know, the, the, the I forgot it was uh, in the NFL. Who, it took him a long time. I, you know, I just said, listen, you know, my whole thing is, is I taught, I was taught to be patient. Yes. You know, patience is, is, is the world of life. You know, if you know you've done something right, somebody will reward you down the road. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, this reward is, you know, the tip of the iceberg in the industry. You know, and I didn't realize how big it was until I saw all the people who got honored <laughs> in front of me, African-Americans like Oprah, Bob Johnson, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm, and I'm like the third within all of BT to get honored, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, so it's a big step, man, and I'm very proud of it, to be very truthful with you. You're listening to Money Making Conversations with Rashawn McDonald. We'll be right back. Cars today are like a computer on wheels, but you can't fix any of these new features yourself. So when something breaks, it could cost you a fortune, and now is not the time for expensive repairs. That's why you need CarShield. CarShield has affordable protection plans that can save you thousands for a covered repair, including computers, GPS, electronics, and more. CarShield understands payment flexibility is a must. Plans are customizable 
and as low as $99 a month. No long-term contracts or commitment. Plus, you get to pick your favorite mechanic or dealership to do the work, and CarShield takes care of the rest. They also offer complimentary 24-7 roadside assistance and a rental car while yours is being fixed. CarShield is America's number one auto protection company. For as low as $99 a month, you can protect yourself from surprises and save thousands. Call 1-800-CAR-6000 and mention code MONEY, M-O-N-E-Y, or visit carshield.com and use code MONEY, M-O-N-E-Y, to save 10%. That's carshield.com, code MONEY. A deductible may apply. Welcome back to Money Making Conversations. I'm your host, Rashawn McDonald. Now, it takes a big of knowledge because I want to slide back to getting on the Roku platform. Yep. Getting the streaming because let's look at BT. BT is a traditional cable network, which means they yes. have to have 24 hours of programming seven days a week. And that's why sometimes you look at a network like a BT and they got paid programming. It has nothing to do with BT yep. coming up right. in the early hours. What advantages is it streaming and expenses as money financially versus doing a cable network launch versus doing a streaming network launch? Well, one one of the things that everyone's finding out is that the world of media is changing, Sean, as we all know. Mm -hmm. You know, no one is really watching. You know, our kids are not watching television anymore. Our kids are watching their phones, the iPads and the computers. Mm -hmm. And the digital world really allows them to get a faster hit than just watching linear TV. Right. And so the digital, the over, the OTT platform that we're on, the over what they call over the top digital platforms, which is faster, and the fact that you can get inf inf you know more viable information at a timely basis is just the way of the world, man. And the way that you know, in my audience that I'm trying to reach out to, which is the HBCU students, right. HBCU alumni, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and we're trying to get the, you know, multicultural audiences to be involved with it. You know, a, a lot of this world is watching everything on the computer, the phone, and the iPad. So less cost, you know, I don't have to buy a big dish to, to get my network up. You know, I could just do it technology-wise, which is a lot less cost. And that's really what it boils down to. I mean, in today's world, to build a linear network like a BT, it costs you millions and millions of dollars. Where to do a digital network, you know, I, I don't need a million dollars. Right. I'd like to have it, but I can get it up without having to spend a, a ton of money to get it up and going and keep and keep it productive. So, you know, and that's really what it's all about. You know, and so if you can make your program, you you can grow your content as you're building it. That's really kind of the theme of where you want to go with. So what is your content? Is it categorized? How is it? Because let's, let's go and be honest. You know, HBCU is recognized for the athleticism, the sports program, mm -hmm. recognized for those bands, those marching bands at halftime, dominate right. the landscape, and then right. academics. So what is right HB, now, HBCU? Right now, our program consists of educational programming. We're doing it. We're doing a uh, master class program with uh, uh, Tennessee State. Uh, that, that's been one of our charter schools that we've been working very closely with because really the programming that we're trying to create is to have the students create programming for the network. Mm. And then we're doing some lifestyle programming. We've created a show with Charlie Neal called What's Next with Charlie Neal and doing very similar things you're doing here with your podcast of interviewing people in the HBCU circle, around the HBCU circle, or, you know, graduated from an HBCU who are doing things in the community or in business who can help enlighten us on how to move forward. And of course, like you said, you know, we're doing, we're doing HBCU sports right now. We're doing it on a lot of 
a lot of tape stuff material that we're getting. Uh, we hope to try to have some live sports in 2021, and we'll see what, what comes about, you know, in regards to that. And then we're trying to create other programming around, um, you know, HBCUs that people will really relate to. Like we have a black quiz show uh, that we got from Don Jackson out of Chicago. He gave us 26 episodes uh, that we're working with uh, that I think it's all around HBCUs. Some of the questions are really tough. You know, I'm about to show a couple times and I'm trying to figure out the answers to some of these questions. Is that the version hosted by Nephew Tommy? Yes, 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 exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm. I showed a host about that nephew time, you know, and it's doing well for us. And then we have another another show that we picked up with uh, Zena Garrison and uh, Chanda Rubin, which is really all about social justice, but it, it's uh, Game, Set, Chat is what it's called. And they talk to a lot of tennis professionals about the whole thing about injustice and dealing in, in the black and white world, you know. So we're slowly but surely picking up programming. Our goal in 2021 is to at least be able to do two hours of, of original programming and then we'll start adding more as we go okay cool so here's another program money making conversations you know oh, we, we want that bad we're gonna drop that, that, that on you on you on the docket you on the docket <laughs> for 2021 <laughs> but, that's but, gonna be our top show because here's tell the you thing, that right now here's the thing that i love about what's happening with money making conversation and the interviews like i interviewed Kenny Lord, you know, out of Tava Lifestyles out of Houston, Texas. Yep. He's from Tennessee State University. Just interviewed the uh, last week the, the people who created Christmas Claw, Claw uh, Clarence Claus, you know, young oh, black wow. couple. Okay. A young black couple, you know, both of them graduated from HBCUs. And so I, it's really interesting how granular the relationship has been. So me being able to provide content. And so now I built I bought my new office building in Atlanta. So yeah, we're excited about it. And so no now, I'm do, now I'm doing video, like I told you I would. And so yep. this is this this is the program I'll be able to bring. I'm, I'm building out a video wall to the right of me, and so which means that I'll be able to even get even bigger talent, even bigger relationships, but more important, exposing the entrepreneurial value of HBCUs and also being able to give you quality programming because that's what sales. If I I can get the celebrity HBCU people on my show and get them on your network, then guess what? You'll be able to market and brand. They become the face and that's what we're going to do. That's our our 2021 goal. Well, for for anyone listening to Rashawn's (laughs) show right now, let me just say this. I am very, very, very excited to have a building relationship with one of the great brand masters in the business, Rashawn McDonald. I think that having him part of HBCU Go is going to be an explosion for us in 2021. And I'm looking forward to marketing, building the brand, mm-hmm. and really working side by side with him to really grow you know, his show and really grow our partnership to show, number one, to show people we can work together. Number two, to take advantage of this network that he's building of, of all the people in the HBCU circle so that as he earlier mentioned, we can build something that everybody can be proud of down the road. That's really the goal. Right. That's really the goal. And that's really what we're trying to do. You know, and it's, it's amazing. We got a, you know, our president, vice president elect, which is amazing. How uh, Howard University, a.k.a. Yep. member. No you question. Know, you know, people go, well, she really black. Where is she? Went to Howard. I'm going to tell you something. She got enough black going on in her life. She's a member no of AKA for sorority. She went to Howard University. She, mm-hmm. she grew up in Oakland. Okay, we just stop. We just stop right there. That's that's, that's enough. That's three black powerful relationships that we can stop talking about. You got, we, you got that right. You got that right. <laughs> and that's, and that's going to be very powerful. And it's, I think that, you know, she's going to jump on. We're going to get her one day on your show because 
she's going to understand how powerful you are in the, in the market and what you bring to the table. And she's going to want everybody to listen to her message some more. We you know, know so we, I, I see you grabbing her very soon. When we talk you know, about and, power. And having her involved with us. We talk no about question. power. You know, Walter Payton, you know, rest his soul. Greatest running back in the history of football, professional football. Steve McNair, you know, Jerry Wright, greatest wide receiver of all time. Yeah. All the five Michael Strahan. You know, yep. it's, it's Oprah Winfrey, Taraji P. Henson, Anthony Anderson, Stephen A. Smith. The list goes on and on. Common, you know, lies of lies right there. Tremendous Tremendous Kim list, Whitley. And, and, see, and that's the kind of thing, Rashawn, that you're talking about that our young people are totally unaware of. Mm-hmm. Totally unaware of. Mm-hmm. I was with a group of young folks a while back, right before about a year ago, right before the virus hit, and was talking to them about black media and mentioned Earl Graves' name. Right. And no one in the room knew who Earl Graves was. Mm-hmm. No one. Mm-hmm. And I said, How can you be in a communication journalism department and not know who Earl Graves is? Right. But that's because, and this is one of the things that I, I'm getting on a lot of the, the, the communication partners in these HBC circles saying, listen, you got to quit preaching from the book and start educating these people on the history. Right. So that they understand when they step out the door who they are and who created this landscape for them. Right. Right. Well, you know, the, the, even the, the who really created it is sad to see how the Johnson publication brand has, yeah. has, has, has uh, without Jet, you know, you and I both know we grew up on Jet. Oh, ain't no question. Jet Beauty ain't no was, question. Jet Beauty was a black man's dream. Come on now. Yeah. You know. But you know what's, what's, what's sad behind that, though, Rashawn, is that I sat in a lot of Bob meetings with Bob, and I have to give Bob one, one piece of credit. That back in the early days of BT, Bob went to a lot of those folks like the John Ages of the world. I was in those meetings mm-hmm. and asked them to partner with him mm-hmm. so that we could create a conglomerate. Right. And everybody was caught up in their own silos, man. They were like, oh, no, I don't need you. Mm-hmm. It's like, are you serious? Mm-hmm. 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 You know, mm-hmm. but that's the thing that we have to un- uncap. I mean, mm-hmm. we've got to start showing how we can work together, how we can drive business and get more people involved in the circle so that we can have a conglomerate that can grow. And people say, oh, wow, they're doing something out there that, that, that's powerful out there. Right. They're sending a message out there. Right. Right. And they're working together to make right. that happen. And so let's let's go back to why we got on this call. HBCUGO.tv is the website. Yes. HBCUGO on Roku. Now, now you gotta have Roku to get to it, right? Yes. Yes. But we will have a we will have a, a new app out very soon within the next three weeks that you'll be able to pick us up right on your phone mm-hmm. and the app will be mainly connected to our website. Right. So you really be able to follow us closer. Well, that's the key. Because you, if you start downloading and then the people start rating your app on your download, the experience, then that's when you win. And that's Ain't what no we're question. talking about right now. No now, question. Now, well, let's go to the target audience before we wrap up. Uh, the primary is the millennials, 18 to 24. The secondary is the alumni, which is 24, 25 to 49. And right. They, so... That alumni is what we're talking about because they're the influencers for the young people because if we build a brand of H, and I'm going to say the word we because I I can't get into the conversation and act like I'm an outsider. If we build the brand... You're right. You're directing it right. Because we're influencers. Because influencers are key. That's who that 25 to 49 and really is is 49 to 70 and beyond because the grandparents and the legacy influencers or what you know, makes that, that, that that's the part of it man i mean we put together a football game years ago in the bahamas we're the first ever to do it we put together bahama 
the HBCU go Bahama football classic. We brought Tennessee State, I mean, Texas Southern in to play Central State. And what was amazing was we put 10,000 people in a 14,000 seat arena within the, within two weeks because they wouldn't they wouldn't give us the arena until a week before. It was unbelievable. But anyway, my point is, to your point, when we started interviewing some of the people who attended, the generations that were tied together was amazing. <laughs> yes. I mean, people were coming in and saying, oh, my grandfather went there, my grandmother went there, my aunt, my uncle went there, my father. I mean, the generations was unbelievable. And that's what makes HBC so strong. Right. But a lot of people don't know that. Right. And that's why I'm excited about it. I'm excited about when we got on the call and talked about what you're trying to do. My whole thing, because I see it. And I, I'm not saying I'm a visionary, but I know that when I see what's happening with the SWAC, becoming my, my, what I feel, the football version of the SEC. When, oh, I no see, when I see a Deion Sanders, his brand going down to Jackson State. When I see yep. young recruits, when I see the vice president-elect, being an HBCU grad of, the, of Howard University, which we have to consider to be the Ivy League level of a black HBCU schools. And yes. that's where we're at now. We're at, a, we're at an interesting point right now in the life where the funding should come through. You know, they, we should also stay on top of corporate America, should continue no to contribute like they contributed in 2021. 2020 and 2021 and move forward. Let's don't make this to be a guilt donation. Let's make this an annual donation. And that's there you where go I'm right at. there. You and said that, the, you said the magic word that needs to be preached on a regular basis. It's not a guilt situation. Right. This is this, this is where it should be at so, the end of the day. Well, Curtis, you got me, brother. Like I said, I'm on video now. I'm on video. I appreciate now. it, man. I appreciate it, Sean. <laughs> Glad to have you, man. And thank you very much, you and Samantha and, and the crew, man. Thank you very much for having me today. Well, again, you know, when the app drops, you gotta let us know. So we put it we'll on the newsletter, put it on social media. It's this momentum again. Congratulations for your 2020 honor, 2021 honor that you're gonna be for a business and cable or broadcasting cable award that you so deeply deserve. A legacy is tied to experience and tied to relationships, man. And to be on a call with you, knowing that we've crossed paths, that our journey is going to be united in a partnership that's going to uh, that's going to grow a brand that's been underserved for so many years, but have served this country so well in the in the, in the quality people that is educated, taxpaying people, people who are educating our children and their children that are running corporations, that are running members of Congress, dentists, doctors, you know, lawyers, judges. That's what HBCUs bring to the table, everybody. I'm proud you, to be you, a part you, of it. You're saying it right, Rashawn. So I'm looking forward to it, man. It's, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a beautiful marriage next year, man. Between your show and our network, looking forward to it. We're gonna cut it out and get it done. Thank you, Curtis, for coming on Money Making. All right, man. Be careful, man. You gotta be safe out there, all of you. I appreciate it, brother. If you want Take to hear care. more Money Making Conversations interviews, please go to MoneyMakingConversations.com. I'm Rashawn McDonald. I am the host. <laughs>